Hey everyone, and welcome back to another movie review episode of The Caption Life. And today we will be talking about the film The Batman, directed by Matt Reeves and starring Robert Pattinson and Zoe Kravitz. And with us today, we'll have a special guest to help review the movie. Let's dive right into it. to The Caption Life, a show about how comics and pop culture impact life and society and vice versa. I am Sean, and before we get started with this episode, please hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast platform you're listening to us on, and follow us on social media under the username at Caption Life. You can also find out more information and past episodes at thecaptionlife.com. So the character of Batman has had the most movies of any superhero character ever made. And we can add one more movie to that list. The Batman officially released in the U.S. March 4th after being delayed multiple times. And I don't think it's an exaggeration when I say that this is probably one of, if not the most anticipated superhero movie of the year. It is directed by Matt Reeves and stars Robert Pattinson, Zoe Kravitz, Paul Dano, Colin Farrell, Jeffrey Wright, and Andy Serkis. And as of March 6th, which is the time of the recording. It has a Rotten Tomato score of 85% and also 90% audience score on that same site. A 8.6 out of 10 score on IMDb out of over 119,000 user ratings. A meta score of 73, a cinema score of A- and has grossed over $120 million at the international box office and $128.5 million at the domestic box office for a total of $248.5 million, which is now ranked 49th highest of all time for opening weekend for a movie. Now, I had a chance to watch the movie on March 1st at the IMAX for the Fans First event, and Kevin was not able to join us for this recording, so we wanted to bring another guest on the show who has seen it to help us review the episode. And if you listen to our latest episode, number 55, Batman Films, then you know who this person is. But if you haven't, let me introduce you to our guest for this episode, Michael Rothman. Michael has spent almost a decade in the entertainment space for ABC News and Good Morning America, writing about Marvel and DC, including superhero shows, books, and movies. While at ABC, Michael hosted the digital show Inside Marvel, a look into the inner workings and major developments in the superhero genre. He has also collaborated with Lucasfilm and Disney on several other projects, and most recently, he has taken to platforms like TikTok under the name Superhero Talk to continue to dive further into the world that he loves and to connect and collaborate with like-minded fans. He also enjoys long walks on the beach, a good cigar, a solid Punisher storyline, and snuggling with his dog, Leia Bagel. Michael, welcome back to the show. This is a clap for you, because now (laughs) two people have done that intro back to back. And it's a mouthful. It's a lot. um, It's hyperbolic, um, but it's appreciated. And yeah, I don't know how you. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, and usually for all of our guests, uh, we ask them about their comic book origin story. But since we already done that with Michael in the previous episode, uh, we're not going to do that here. But if you're interested to know, which is a really cool story, by the way, check out episode 55, which I'll put a link in the notes below. And a quick shout out to a friend of the podcast, Jude from the MCU Need to Know podcast, who listened to our last episode, number 55, and asked, how come we didn't do a game with the guest? 
guest. So if you're new to our show, usually we do a game with our guest that comes onto the show. Um, but Kevin and I really do that for interviews and didn't really think about doing a game with Michael uh, since he was a non-interview guest. But by the time we thought about it, we didn't really have time to come up with a game. <laughs> Plus, the recording was really long. I think it was like almost two hours. Is that right, Michael? Yeah, it's probably my <laughs> fault. I tend to talk in like tangents and yeah. Uh, well, I mean, all of us had so much to say about Batman films. So I think it was just a combination of when you have, you know, three passionate fans inside mm-hmm. the space, it's going to be a long episode. And I'm sure so. we're going to have a lot to say about this film, too. So, I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if this was also, you know, just two hours by itself, even though we don't have Kevin on the episode today. Um, I would not be surprised if this is another long one. So. Before we get started, I have a quick question for you, though, because you, yeah. you went to the same fan event I went to. Did you get a popcorn bowl? I did not. <laughs> I was um, extremely happy. Actually, my, my wife got this um, and I didn't even know nice. they were doing it, but they were selling these and it was only to people that went to the fan event. But apparently mm-hmm. like your popcorn goes in here. It's a yeah, uh, whatever. <laughs> uh, it's, it's a really cool idea. I just didn't really felt like I was. I didn't really feel the need to spend $27 for it. Well, I was going to say, yeah, you'd want to spend a hundred dollars on a, on a plastic popcorn bowl that's right, shaped yeah. like Batman's uh, cowl. <laughs> and then you're eating like out of his head basically. So, um, but what was cool about the fan first event was everybody got a free comic book mm. that was, I haven't had a chance to read it yet, but I look at the first couple of pages. It looks like they took out pages from some of the comics that inspired the film. Mm-hmm. So that was a really cool touch. I really liked that they did with that there. And then what I really love is when you went to the movie, there was no like previews yeah. or trailers or anything. It just went straight into the movie. And I absolutely loved that. I thought that was great. <laughs> well, for me, the, the tough thing was, um, so I'd gone to a screening the week before. So I saw mm-hmm. it a week before went to a screening and, and for those who don't know, listening, um, when you go to a screening, you probably know this, when you go to like a screening for like media and whatever, usually they cut out if there's any post-credit scenes. This is a new thing in the past mm. what, 15 years. Sometimes mm-hmm. they don't show that because they don't want that getting leaked. So a lot of the Marvel films and whatever. <laughs> so for everyone that stayed at the screening and mm-hmm. at, I don't know if it seems a spoiler. It's not really a, a spoiler or not. I basically long story short, I waited through the movie twice because the second time I was like, all right, maybe there's going to be a post credit scene. And then again, of course I got the same ending that I got the first time and I was like, Oh God. Um, so yeah. Um, right. <laughs> yeah. 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 And well, and we'll talk about that yeah. um, later on in this episode. So before we begin, we do want to give you a friendly reminder that we will be talking about the film, the Batman and what's in the movie. So if you have not seen it yet, now is your chance to pause this episode, save it or add it to your playlist somewhere. Go watch the Batman. Then come back and listen to this episode. Or if you don't mind spoilers, you can continue listening as well. That is completely up to you, but we are now entering the part of the episode where we will be talking about spoilers. So you have been warned. All right, Michael. So let's go ahead and just dive into overall thoughts of the film. Mm. I want to throw that out to you first and just get your first impression, overall Mm. thoughts, what you thought about the Batman and anything you want to maybe discuss. And then we'll go into a deeper dive a little bit later on. But just overall thoughts about the film. Yeah, I I, um, I'm kind of on par with the world with 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 the the consensus from people right um mm-hmm. i think i'd give it like an eight out of ten 
I think the action was amazing. It is really, really long. Um, I don't know if you <laughs> felt that. I, I both times seeing it, I, I definitely you feel it. Like, I mean, look, it's a three hour movie. And I think Endgame was around that same time. But I think with Endgame, mm. the difference is you've been on this journey 10 years and it's a different movie. It's more light. This is like a dark movie that that when it drags, it 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 drags. Mm. Um I thought Pattinson was pretty great. I thought the cast is pretty, pretty, pretty great. Um, I'm not alone in thinking that Colin Farrell is an absolute like revelation as the penguin. Like, right. He's found his role. I mean, it's funny because I've been a fan of his for, it's gotta be 20 years now, right? Like he, Mm -hmm. since the recruit, which is for those who don't know is a really horrible, but I loved it. Al Pacino (laughs) movie that he's in. It was one of his first ones. Then he did a couple like, absolute disasters like Alexander and some other movies. Right. And I just feel like he's always been like underestimated because he's just kind of like this cool Irish dude um, mm-hmm. who is like, a, is a movie star, but never had like a role. And right. man, he's, he's good at the, as the penguin. Um, and then I think Paul Dano was great too. Uh, I have some issues that we can get into later on with like, I think a couple of the reveals and a couple of the storytelling things, but overall I thought mm-hmm. it was a really great movie. And I think it's something we, we can definitely build off of uh, moving forward. And there's obviously going to be a lot to build off of, especially with that ending that we had. So, right. Yeah. It was a good film. Yeah. And the first time I saw Colin Farrell was actually in their double when he played bullseye. Mm. And I thought, you know, as somebody who loved Daredevil, but I haven't actually read a lot of comics with Bullseye in it. I really liked his portrayal of mm-hmm. Bullseye, but I always was a f- huge fan of Colin Farrell just in terms of if he's in it, I always thought he did a good job whether mm-hmm. the movie was bad or not. So um, I I will say that I remember when I first heard about the Batman coming out, um, I was a little hesitant about it, especially when I heard about Robert Pattinson being the main protagonist of the movie and not because I didn't like Robert Pattinson as a actor. I, I actually think he's a really good actor um, in his own right and that he does a really good job, especially, you know, I know he gets a lot of flack for twilight because the kind of movie it is, but I thought for his portrayal and he actually did a really good job of making the character come to life on screen when you read the books. So I, I just didn't think that he was going to do a good enough Bruce Wayne or Batman when I first heard about that. But again, a lot of people thought about that with Michael Keaton. So I was like, okay, let's give him a shot. And then when that first trailer came out two years ago at the DC fandom event, I was hooked. I was like, this looks amazing. Let's definitely give it a shot. And I think everybody felt like that as well, too. So I, um, I was able to write a review for it for uh, comic watch, which I'll put the link in the review in the show notes as well, too. And I know you and I had talked about the movie and I feel like even after I wrote my review, there's so much that I didn't include. And it's a pretty long article that I feel like there's just a lot that you could put in there, but I really like the fact that this is a different kind of movie from the other ones that we've seen, because mm. it's definitely has a lot more of the crime noir mm. film aspect. Um, but the story, the cinematography I thought was also stands out as a work of art as well too. I thought Matt Reeves did a great job with the story mm. and with the use of, you know, framing for the scenes and the use of colors, which we'll talk about that yeah. a little bit later and, and, and shadows and stuff like that. Um, you had mentioned that it was three hours long and, you know, for me, I thought the pacing was actually pretty good. Cause even though oh. it was three hours, I, I didn't feel like it really 
it didn't felt it didn't feel like three hours for me necessarily. Like I, I know it felt long, but I never felt like it got to a point where it, it slowed that it felt like it was dragging. I, I felt that Matt Reeves did a really good job wow. of pacing it out. So that way, when it does kind of get into here's the high action sequence with the adrenaline rushing, and then let's go ahead and slow it down a little bit. I think he slowed it down just enough, almost like a roller coaster, just to kind of give you, you know, a, a breather, a break a little bit. And then, put you back running again as well too. So I, I thought this movie definitely lived up to the hype and I don't think it was over exaggerated by any means when people are saying that this is a really well done film for a lot of different reasons. So, yeah, I think you put it into good words. Like it, it, it was, you were saying the roller coaster thing. It's definitely a ride. And I also felt mm-hmm. like it, it is the, and I think they've tried to do this a little bit before where I think some of the Zack Snyder buzz is that, you know, Batman v Superman was going to be very comic booky, and mm-hmm. I don't know what happened when the, the Warner Brothers got their, you know, execs got their hooks in it. But this felt like a really probably the best comic booky film we've ever seen. I mm-hmm. think for superhero films, right? Because I don't mm-hmm. think I don't think AMCU since day one has felt comic booky. It's felt more like sitcommy with a lot of like emotional things plugged in. There's the, it's very, it's just amazingly well done. I think the dark Knight trilogy is more realistic than comic booky. Um, and then the other movies, you know, obviously maybe Tim Burton's Batman is kind of comic booky, but this one feels like, and the, I'm trying to think of the film series. I'm trying to think of that has, um, you, you'll probably know it's like in black and white with Bruce Willis. Sin City. It felt like Sin City and it felt right. like a really good Batman version of Sin City. So mm-hmm. I loved it. Um, I also loved some of the things that I, I, I you know, was saying today and it took, I, I, I like seeing things two and three times. It takes a while to kind of digest it. I don't think I can see it a mm-hmm. third time. Nine hours of Batman <laughs> is a little much. Um, but something that dawned on me, I felt super awkward twice um and the same scene and then i realized like oh that's on purpose you know when you like kind of like like oh that scene to me feel a certain way and then i saw it again mm-hmm. and i felt the same way the right. scene and i'm talking about the beginning when he's like in the crime scene for the the the, the, the mayor's been murdered and mm-hmm. like matt reeves and you talk about like you know the framing and the colors and the shadowing it's mm-hmm. like basically focused in on his his boots, like his combat boots. And then you can hear like the <laughs> slow creak. And I just felt so awkward and weird. And it felt weird. Like, mm-hmm. and it just shows how absurd it is to be Batman. But in a in a in a <laughs> in a good way, like it it does the best job, I think, of of any movie prior mm-hmm. of doing that. Because dude, it's a it's a guy in a million dollar suit <laughs> as a vigilante fighting people in crime. And we've, we've never seen like it really expressed that way. Like even the dark Knight and Batman begins, I think in Batman begins, like, yeah, the police are after him at, at a certain point. And same thing with dark Knight rises, whatever. Mm-hmm. But from the, from the onset, people are scared of him and more like kind of like in awe of him than calling him like a freak. And I think right. when you watch that scene, that was the, the, one of the best achievements to me because it was like, yeah, this is absurd. Like that's absurd. It got <laughs> like in and, and the lighting is not so dark where he's walking around with cops and you're like, this is so weird. Like he's just yeah. sitting there and he's like <laughs> staring and he's like, he's discovering stuff. And it is a very, it's a, uh, it's, it's a very detective version of Batman. You know, he's, right. he is brilliant. Like as far as like the stuff he deciphers and working with Alfred, but that mm-hmm. scene really just stuck with me where I was like, yeah, think about it. It's so weird. It is so yeah. weird. There's a guy in like a suit as a bat 
And right. it's the first time I've ever felt that. So yeah, coming away from that, I was like, what a great job of making you feel like I felt awkward for Batman. <laughs> like, yeah, feel awkward. Like, dude, who is this weirdo? You know, like what, you know, I don't care if he's been fighting crime for a year. It's still weird. <laughs> um, it's awesome, but it's still really, really weird. And if I went and did it tomorrow and started doing that, I think my wife would probably try to commit me. Right. Like, so <laughs> I, that was something unique and different that I haven't seen in other Batman films before. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, th- that goes back to along the lines of how comparing this to Batman begins in the sense that this is at the very beginning of Batman's career is that in Batman begins, we saw how he got started, but it just kind of, um, launched you into Batman, you know, being a perfect crime fighter. I think in this movie, what they, what Matt Reeves did a great job and and all the cast and crew did a great job of is capturing that he is still developing that presence and that role and even his tactics and figuring stuff out because, and, and we'll talk about this a little bit more when we get to it, but this is a really good film to kind of show the the good and the bad in those mm. developing themes of this. So with this being year two, which I thought was really interesting that he had Batman do a journal of his thoughts of what's going on. And he put it in like a project year two kind of folder. But because of that theme, I think it makes a lot of sense to approach it that way. And, and to your point, you know, it did feel awkward because people were still trying to figure out what this guy is and what he's supposed to be doing. Like there's already, first of all, Matt Reeves did a great job of setting up, you know, in the first five minutes, the, the reality of Batman in Gotham city and how the criminals thought of Batman, whenever they see the light and that mm-hmm. they start, you know, shaking in the boots. Right. I, I think no, the Batman film has really established that really well. And not even in, you know, Batman, I think it was Batman begins or the dark Knight, where, you know, you had villains or uh, thugs that said, you know, this, this is a little too spooky or whatever. You actually felt the fear of the criminals in this film. And so I think he did a great job establishing that, but people were still, mix you know either in the media where we're mixed and people in the movie and among law enforcement they were all talking about how they're still not sure what to think about this guy clearly jim gordon thinks he's a valuable asset and so that's why he brought him in and all that but just like what you said you know it was a little bit awkward at first in that opening scene where he goes to the uh, crime scene i think for me what was awkward about it is that Batman was lingering over things a little mm. bit too long. And I remember thinking like, this is kind of weird, but when you got to the scene where he finally makes it back to the bat cave, you realize that he was actually wearing a contact lens that recorded everything. And so what he was doing was making sure he captured things long enough so he can go back and review the evidence that he captured and all that, which by the way, if, if you're not a, if you're not familiar with the comic books, that's actually something that was inspired by a run called court of owls written by Scott Snyder and Greg Capullo. And it's fantastic run that I'm probably going to talk about later in this episode anyways. But there was a scene where they actually, actually show Batman using a contact lens. It was a great way for them to introduce all the characters from the beginning as well, too. Yeah. So, so it made a lot of sense, but it is kind of just an awkward presence. I feel like it establishes that whole awkwardness just to kind of show that they're still trying to figure out that, you know, what to make of all this. And yeah, and Bruce Wayne is still doing that as well, too. Like, you know, he openly says that he doesn't know if he's making an impact or not at the very beginning. And so it's, 
it's more of a journey or progress that you're seeing develop in the film as opposed to in Batman Begins. You kind of just dive right into that once yeah. he gets his tech and everything. So, yeah, Wait, I agree. I think that was interesting. This as a Daredevil fan, um, and mm-hmm. it's funny, I have not been able to bring this up because no one else would understand it. Uh-huh. Um, the, it the beginning really reminded me of that scene from Daredevil where um, he basically just beats the crap out of those thugs by, by the train. Um, train station what train stop whatever right and the guy who was essentially the victim that he was saving um he turns to him and the guy's like please don't hurt me and right it felt literally parallel to the ben affleck I can't yeah. <laughs> the ben affleck one where he's like i'm not remember like the in daredevil he's yes. beating the snot out of somebody and i think the theme that what daredevil got really wrong but batman got really right like the theme <laughs> that they were trying to set in daredevil was that daredevil is kind of a vigilante and kind of doing the same things and he won't Mm -hmm. kill anybody, but he wants to really enact revenge. And at some point the same, it's basically the same scene that, you know, there's a kid who is terrified of daredevil, um, which who wouldn't be, I mean, come on, (laughs) Um, but he's terrible. You know, isn't like a dark apartment and, you know, and, and, in uh um hell's kitchen and he's like, please don't hurt me. And, you know, and Ben Affleck's like, I'm not the bad guy kid. And so that's kind of like, the feeling I got when mm-hmm. I saw that scene, I was like, Oh, okay. I get it. And that's essentially like, yeah, like people don't know what to think. Like it's again, it's a guy in like a, a full on <laughs> tag and, and it's great. He's beaten the crap out of like gang members, but he could be like mm-hmm. something else, or he could just be having fun beating up people. Who knows? I would be terrified. I'm sitting there. And so um, right. also, did you catch the other thing that I, I, I didn't, I noticed, and I don't know if this is a nod and I got to look up, make sure but I think that's Tim Drake who at the beginning was supposed to be initiated. Um, but he plays, he played or played Tim Drake in Titans, um, which is oh. the, well, as a, as a version of Robin. And so I was like, I saw him and he's basically got like, he's not initiated into the gang yet. He's got like half the paint. Um, right. Essentially for those who, who, well, I guess if you haven't seen the movie, what are you doing here? But um, <laughs> you know, please don't leave. Um, but, uh, he basically is, is going to beat up some, you know, random victim to get initiated, which, you know, obviously is a lot of the stories about, uh, that kind of stuff. And, and I noticed immediately, I was like, I think it's the actor who plays Tim Drake, which is a really, I gotta look that up, which is my mistake as great preparation, Mike. Um, <laughs> uh, well, I haven't seen Titans either, so I wouldn't have caught that. Right, it's a, it's a really good show. There's, there's some good things, some bad things. I mean, it's an HBO max show. Um, it is just another different take, another angle, right. Where it's almost like you Mm -hmm. have Robin, which is out Nightwing is that kind of that bad, you know, bad, bad acting like, you know, the Batman we see here, just like, you know, kicking ass and taking names and whatnot. So, um, Mm -hmm. another good take, but I think that that's gotta be a purpose plug where it's like really cool. They, they, they threw that actor in there for, you know, a quick scene, which I thought was really interesting, but right. Yeah. Well, and, and, you know, I'll just go ahead and dive right into it as well too, is that, um, that would actually be really interesting because I know there's been a lot of talks about if there's going to be a sequel and we don't have to do this right now. We can talk about that towards the end of this episode, but if they're going to do a sequel, a lot of people have been really wanting to have court of owls, um, Mm -hmm as the storyline for a, a future sequel, which I would absolutely love. And I know in court of owls, um, Dick Grayson actually has a more prominent role in the main villains in that story, or at least a, a bigger connection. But I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, if that was the direction they're going with having Tim Drake in there to kind of maybe retrofit it for this movie in that regard as well too. So, but, um, 
But yeah, so I, I thought, you know, overall with the storyline and themes was really interesting. Uh, you know, this this movie was really inspired by um, Matt Reeves has said that it's been inspired by the comic runs of Long Halloween, which definitely has a feel. Um, Hush and Ego, which are actually two I've not read yet. I have it in my stack of large non-read, a large stack of comics I haven't read yet. So I, I haven't read those, and so I can't make those comparisons yet, but I know those were the main comics that you got the inspiration yeah. from. Um, but I, I got to say, as much as, as I love the story and how I thought they did a great job with um, a lot of different themes, um, and I know we're going to circle back to the theme of vengeance a little bit that you touched on, um, there were some continuity issues I, I did have problem with. And I know you and I have talked about this as well, too, is that there was that scene where after Batman punches Jim Gordon and knocked out a couple of police officers and escaped, Jim Gordon said that he put out an APB for Batman. And then later on in the movie, it seems like Batman shows up with the police and they just somehow forgot yeah, that yeah. was a thing. So I don't know if there was like a deleted scene or what, but I, I remember thinking at the end of the film, I was like, wait, did they just completely forget that? Um, the other issue I had with the story is that, I'm sorry, Batman should have been killed off like four times <laughs> in this movie. Yeah. The, the 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 explosion that happened with I, I forget the name of the person, but the explosion that happened. Oh, um, the DA. Um, yeah, the DA. Yeah, who was which I, he, I've seen him like I know he was in Blade and he's a really prominent um, actor. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Uh, he's uh, yeah Maggie Gyllenhaal's husband. Um, oh yeah, so that's right. One degree away from an almost Batman <laughs> right there. Um, but yeah, uh, Peter. Sorry, I always get Peter's. Because there's there's they're so close. I think it's Peter Sarsgaard, right? Um, I gotta look it up. Just yeah, sure. I know. Yeah, we gotta, <laughs> gotta look that. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's, he's really great. He always does kind of a yeah. It's Peter Sarsgaard. He always does a really mm-hmm. great job. Whatever he ends in, and he always adds like I, I, he adds like an air of creepiness to all his roles, almost like a yeah. slimy. So like his role was really he's he's really good uh, yes. here, and I thought he he was a. I mean, they had a god. They had a really great cast. Like what a, what a cast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, yeah, you're right. He, there's so many times back. There's so many times. Yeah. Like that explosion right there. I mean, I'm sorry. Even if you make the case that he threw his hands up and covered his face, like at least his face should have been scarred up or something. But that next scene where they woke him up, not a scratch on his face at all. Well, that you know? And all the fact that like, okay, like when he was <laughs> passing out, I'm like, if he passes out, this is it. Um, <laughs> like, first of all, you're telling me 50 cops to stand. How, first of all, how long were they just stare, standing over? Again, we have we need a reality check here. There yeah. is a guy dressed up as a bat in a, a suit. And essentially the cops, uh, you know, aside from Gordon and probably a couple other people who are like, all right, this guy's probably doing some good. Most of the cops mm. are probably offended, annoyed. And this guy's essentially stepping in, doing their job, whatever. You're telling me no one ta- takes his, his mask comes off five right. minutes after he's there. <laughs> so then like, I mean, and that was what I liked about, I mean, again, look, we can, we can nitpick us. It's, it's, we can all still say it's a, it's a, I think it's a really good movie. You know, mm-hmm. you look at the dark night. Um, I love the scene where he's out for like 10 seconds and, and someone goes to grab it and like it electrocutes him and then just oh, yeah. dying and laughing. Like, that's exactly, <laughs> that's my guy. Like, Right. <laughs> and that's what I caught we were getting towards where they were going to do something. And obviously they can't copy the dark Knight, Right. So they're not going to do the right. same exact thing. 
but there's no way if this guy's passed out, no one's going to look to see who this dude is. <laughs> right. Like, yeah, just that was that especially was the, when they transport him back to the police headquarters. There's no way. <laughs> he, again, and, and good, great point, because that shows you that he was not out for like 10 seconds, 20 seconds. There's right. probably a good 5, 10, 15 minutes he's out for. There's absolutely 0% chance, 0.000% chance someone they don't like a cop doesn't come up and just rip his, his mask off. And then later right. on, you see how easy it comes off. First of all, yeah. and then to your point, to your point where you said, how did he not die? I thought like his mask, because if you look at it, it's a very like interesting, weird mask. But did you uh-huh. notice when he takes it off, it still looks, it looks like it almost came out with like rubber. Later on in the film, when he pulls it off, and I was like, "Wait, that doesn't make sense." I thought it was like metal under here or something. Right. So, yeah, I mean, that's that that explosion thing was a little unrealistic, where his like face wasn't completely blown to bits. Um, right. Well, yeah. and then the other scene where you know that really cool scene where he jumps off on the top of the headquarters and deploys the wingsuit basically. Right. And flies through the town. And then I think he either hit head first into the bridge or to a truck, like at a very <laughs> high level speed. I, I will give a, a pass on that because again, he should have died. But what I loved about them incorporating that scene is yes, people laughed. I laughed at it, but it's another nod to the fact that he is still trying to figure out how to do this whole thing. Right. So it's not like the Batman begins where Christian Bale figures out how to do all this stuff after, you know, once one attempt or all that Robert Pattinson's Batman is still trying to figure out how to do this. I like the fact that they included that in there, even though he should have died. I'll give a pass to that. But yeah, there was just so many times where I'm just like, I like the flying squirrel suit a lot. Um, I also like, yeah, I, I agree with your point too, because I think, and this is a lot more subtle, but I think of uh, Captain America, first Avenger where he comes out and he's like, you know, the Jack Chris Evans or whatever. Right. I loved where if you, in that scene where he's chasing down the Nazi, like or Hydra, sorry, the, the Hydra agent, he's like slipping mm-hmm. and falling over his new body. Like he doesn't know, like he's running and right. he's running fast than like any human being can. And he's like tripping over his own feet. He's trip falling like, Cause obviously he's, and I'm glad they put those little subtle things in there because like, yeah, I mean, he's, he's not used to that. Yeah. Not used to that. So yeah. same thing with Batman. Like I, I think I, I also loved ah, that part, that scene where he looks over and he's terrified. Yes. So he gets to the top. He looks over. He's like, Ooh. And yeah. like, so again, he hasn't like fully embraced, you know, the fear and, and whatever, which again, I always think about when I see uh, like a spider Batman too, but see a Spider-Man movie. Mm-hmm. And, and like, I liked how No Way Home did it with um, MJ, where she's, you know, he's swinging with her at the beginning of the movie. And you're just like, oh, my God, like, yeah. <laughs> that's how I would be. I mean, I would right. look over and be like, oh, man, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, you knew this was going to happen at some point, but mm-hmm. it doesn't make it any easier. And so that I like, too, where he's not like this fearless, you know, person. Um, mm-hmm. He's terrified. And then he's like, all right, well. Let's just do this. So yeah, to your point, I, I love those subtle things where he's just messing up left and right. And you're just like, all right, what's going on? But yeah, yeah, I, I think, and that's what I love about this movie is that it highlights the realism of him figuring out and that it goes with the year two theme. I think yeah. him being able to explore that was a really great way to tell a different kind of Batman story that is him figuring out, but also a very detective based story as well too. So we saw that in this movie where he's still making mistakes with the different clues that Riddle is leaving because he's still figuring out 
what all these riddles are supposed to, how they work basically, yeah. which again, when we look at riddle, the Riddler in Batman forever, Val Kilmer kind of figured it out towards the end to say like, Oh, there, you know, each clue has a, has a number in there. And so we need to figure that out. Oh, you know, maybe they represent letters and all that. Whereas in this one, it's kind of a, a progression of yeah. him figuring out that the riddle has a riddle inside itself yeah. that Batman doesn't really learn about until later. And then even then it's not the same kind of riddle for each one as well too. And so that's what I really like about this one is that it's definitely more detective based than what we've seen in anything yeah. else, which makes it a film crime noir style that I think a lot of people are really enjoying. I so. saw someone's review on it and I thought it was a really great take. Um, I think it was on TikTok, but they were talking about it and they were saying like, the good thing about it. And I, I fully agree. And I think the thing that I, and I always look, Batman is a beloved character, right? Same thing with Spider-Man, mm-hmm. same thing with, and I still get today. There's still people that, that love the Andrew Garfield films for Spider-Man, which mm-hmm. again, I'm middle of the road there. Like, I think he's a good Spider-Man. I think the writing wasn't great on those, but mm-hmm. point I'm trying to make is there's, there, there, there's such an attachment to these characters because they're so beloved, right? Like they're not right. like the fringe characters. They're like, they are the, the, the crown jewels of these, you know, empires. And I think people like get, you know, this is where we get a lot of toxicity that comes from where people are like, it's the best. I, I've already seen the comments on like videos being like, it is the best Batman ever. And like, all right, look, I think that's fine. Everyone can should feel and take it the way they want to take it. I think mm-hmm. this movie in particular, uh, I mean, Dark Knight's still the, the, the top for me, but I do like this film. But I also think um, this film really is kind of like a riddle in a riddle. This film <laughs> really is the epitome of like, I think it's going to be the gamut. I'm surprised that the ratings across the sites are all pretty consistent because I think some people, and I've seen it with like some comments, some people are going to absolutely hate this film. Right. And some people are going to absolutely love it. And then some in between. And I think it's going to be a lot more of a progression. Like some people it's to me like, this is not for me. Um, right. And I think that's great. Same thing as Joker. I know a lot of people that hate the hate that movie and that's an mm-hmm. Oscar winning movie. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's not like the consensus of like, all right, you see black Panther and you're, you're just like, wow, you see the dark Knight, and you're like, wow. Like these movies that are done so well, but they're also just appealing to everyone. I'm also like, oh, I can just appreciate that. Right. Um, I think, the Batman along with Joker and some other films is like some people are going to hate this movie and that's fine. That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, as long as it's constructive. Cause I think, you know, people yelling at each other. So that's another topic another day, <laughs> right? But people yeah. are so passionate about this and I've seen, I think more inconsistency with people's reactions. And I think that's a really good take. And that's also what makes it so different mm-hmm. is that someone can love it. Like you look at the suit or not the suicide squad, but suicide. <laughs> So this does. You look at Suicide Squad. I'm gonna fight you because if you love that movie, I'm gonna get. I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you. I'm gonna respect you. Don't take that seriously, Internet. I'm gonna respect you, but you're wrong. That is a horrible movie. Um, are, are we talking about the first one or the, the James first Gunn? one? The second the one I think one. is pretty solid. Yeah, no, the first one is a is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, but I think this one, I think it's a respect on either way. If someone says like you know what man i did not like that film i mm-hmm. like this and this whatever I'm like all right cool um and then someone's like that was my favorite film of all time uh, i'm like all right cool i mm-hmm. think this one's gonna be like it's cool and it's unique and it's different because it is not for everyone but is really for some people which i think is really cool too so i mean, I, I i love it and respect it for that for what it is right 
Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and, and I think everyone that's going to be true of any movie of any superhero genre with the exception of what you said, the dark Knight. although we can definitely find people who do not yeah. like those movies, but we all kind of bring our own expectations of the characters that we love when we go mm-hmm. see it on the big screen, you know, and so I, so I think that's always going to be true of any movie. Um, but going back to the topic about themes in the movie. So we talked about the, the uh, detective storyline and, you know, the great things that they've done with that. I know one of the things that we also talked about is the theme of vengeance and how we kind of see the duality that is exposed between the character of Batman and Riddler. And I know you, you've had some really interesting thoughts about that. So I want to kind of hand that over to you and say, you know, do you want to talk a little bit about that theme here and what you thought was really interesting with this film? I always say, so the vengeance part is my favorite part of the the movie by far. Like I always Mm -hmm. say, if there's a part in a movie and maybe I'm just dense and dumb that takes you (laughs) two or three or four viewings to notice Mm -hmm. and it takes you a second to really get it. Mm -hmm. That's an amazing movie. Um, and, And people might say that's like really counterproductive that you can't just watch it and get it. I think, it just maybe people are just smarter than I am, and I'm fine with that. <laughs> I mean, Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm gonna have to watch. I mean, when it comes out, I think it's not digital now. I'm gonna watch it again. But it took mm-hmm. me a couple of times to really realize like Captain America's influence in there, and and right. Spider-Man going from being kind of like a Tony Stark to a Captain America, and what Aunt May's role in it was. And because the first time I saw it, I didn't like the Aunt May spoilers the ant made death i thought it was kind of forced <laughs> and then i was like oh like it took a while it just fundamentally changed him i was like i don't right. think he needed motivation but i guess he did he's now becoming like the spider-man we know and love and, and and i just thought it was brilliant this is the one like the second it took me the second watching to really understand again that whole theme of i'm not the bad guy where he's mm-hmm. wondering like if he's having any impact, what's going on. I love that he's just beating people to a pulp. I think that's awesome. Um, right. like a, it, it kind of reminds me of Daredevil, like the good, good Daredevil, uh, the, the Charlie Cox, where, <laughs> I mean, that show is epic and his evolution along three seasons and what we would have seen more. And I'm sure like it's going to be back in some capacity, whether it's a movie, whatever. Right. With him and Kingpin, like there's is, is there's no really right or wrong. Like Kingpin wants this. He wants like it's just like there's such like a like you said, duality to it. And I feel like that was what happened. And then I love when you're able to kind of like plant a seed and see it come to fruition. Um mm-hmm. and this is a duality too, because I thought one seed paid off amazingly. And I think it was the vengeance where he's like, I still Friggin' love the line on vengeance but at the end he realizes like his whole approach to this is wrong and he's having an effect and he needs to he needs to basically be better right, right. like it's right. not about vengeance it's about hope which mm-hmm. i think is kind of little delving into superman territory but um <laughs> i like i like that and i think it fits the dark night where like i need to be a symbol for people to step up and trust me, but also people to, to do more and save their city as well. So I, I love the payoff of at the end, you know, the guy, he's like, who are you? And he's like, I'm vengeance. And he's like, Oh damn, that's affecting right. people. Like, so he's got to change and evolve the payoff. I didn't like what you said, the Riddler. Um, I think I understand what they were trying to do with the Riddler. Mm-hmm. 
and like how it was building up. Mm -hmm. I think the payoff was kind of blah. Um, I, so essentially Edward and I don't, what's his name in the movie? Uh, cause I was Edward Nashton. Nashton. Yeah. I always think it's yeah. Edward Nygma. Yeah. Um, not Nygma. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But at Nashton in the film, like, and, and Paul Dano's great too, mm -hmm. but you have all these assumptions as he's like doing all these. And it's like this cat and mouse game that is brilliant. Right. And then you find out that he doesn't know it's Bruce Wayne, which I was like, it's fine. Mm -hmm. But he like hates Bruce Wayne because he was a rich billionaire and he was an orphan and he lives in an orphanage and wasn't treated well. And I get it. Like, look, I'm not knocking any of that. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, yeah, I have no experience with that. But for this kind of a film and this kind of gravity, that was the storytelling aspect that I really didn't. I thought there was going to be more of a reveal. His dad's still a good guy. He made a mistake. It wasn't a big mistake. I, it just fell flat when they started to pull it back. Like they were really putting their foot on the throttle with like his dad had someone killed. And this, I was like, Oh man, they are really right. going almost like the, again, the Joker where Thomas Wayne's kind of an ass in that movie um, right. and deserves, yeah. you know, deserves like not to get killed, but like he is just kind of like not the nicest person. Um, mm. So I, I, that big reveal at the end with like, um, was the you know rejuvenation project or wasn't rejuvenation? Oh, the the renewal project. Renewal project. Thank you. Yeah, I yeah. know someone's gonna attack me online. Like you're an idiot. Um, <laughs> I think that reveal, and I think the Riddler, the whole thing, like Bruce Wayne, um, mm -hmm. just kind of fell flat. And I was, and maybe I am just, maybe I am just um, spoiled rotten from Marvel movies and The Dark Knight <laughs> and things like that. But I thought this movie was really, really good. And I was waiting for something better. I think at the end, it wasn't quite on the level of Martha. Why did you say that name? <laughs> um, but when he's just like, it was such like a bait and switch where you're, mm -hmm. you're thinking, I thought that there was some kind of like, it, I, I actually would have liked it if he didn't know who he was. And he was like, we're the same, which I think could have had a kind of a cool impact. We're the mm -hmm. same because we grew up without any guidance. Right. And look what can happen one way and what happens the other way. Right. And it's like we are in this together. Right. Uh, we both want truths revealed. We want to, you know, the sins of our father, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so I, I, and in the end, it was just kind of like a pullback. And he's like, he doesn't know. And you see like, you know, Batman's like, Ooh, he doesn't know. Yeah. Great. I'm good. <laughs> right. Yeah. And then, and then, it, you know, it moves on to the next. So I, I, that was one of the things that I, I just thought felt flat and mm -hmm. I just didn't love, you know, in the second viewing, I was like, ah, all right, whatever. Um, right. Yeah. yeah. I, the Riddler in this sense, and, and we'll, I, I don't want to dive into it too much because I know we're going to do some character discussions a little bit later as well too. But um, I think in this sense, it was a little bit like, walking phoenix joker movie in the sense that it is shining a light on the system and using people to represent that system right um but going going back to the idea of vengeance and everything that you were talking about so it's funny that you brought up the daredevil show with charlie cox because that's exactly where my mind went when i was watching this as well too with the flip side of um Batman saying I'm vengeance at the beginning and then one of the Riddler's followers saying I'm vengeance because there's that famous line that the Punisher says in season two where he says that I am you're just or he 
tells uh, Daredevil, you're just one bad day from being me, basically yeah. saying that they're, you know, have kind of the same goal, but going about it differently. And that's exactly what's happening here with Batman and Riddler, especially when you look at some of the other hints that Reeves put in the film as well, too. So in the opening, you see from the point of view of the camera and you find out later on, it's probably more likely the Riddler where he is looking through a pair of digital binoculars, looking at what's going on in the mansions of the mayor and you kind of hear, you know, that the heavy breathing and looking through and stuff like that. And then later on, you see Batman do the same thing when he's checking the apartment of Selena Kyle and her roommate and doing the same thing. And so there's a lot of parallels between yeah. the two characters that you're showing that, you know, basically the decisions that they make pretty much changes the outcome of where they go for the most part. Right. Like they and have that's the same why I wanted him to know, because I yeah. wanted him to be like, look, like. I mean, and, and, and Riddler's a, a genius. I mean, that's obviously right. Like that's his, yeah. that's his, his superpower. It's not, you know, Ben Affleck, I'm rich. It's basically, I'm like <laughs> the smartest person in the room almost all the time. And right. that was what I wanted him to be like one. Not only do I know who you are, mm-hmm. that I know that you could be me in like, it, it, you twist the dial just a little bit. Right. Right. And that's why I wanted it. That's where I, I really wanted that at the end. And I was like, Oh, come on. Like, <laughs> so yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, and, and who knows? We definitely could maybe get that in the future with the future movie since he's still in Arkham and still in play in a sense. So, well, that you mentioned earlier with hush. So yeah, that is a, a that is a small part of hush where um, he goes, in comics, right? He goes in the Lazarus pit. He's got like brain cancer and he realizes like every, all the world makes sense as he's rejuvenated in the Lazarus pit, which is Ra's al Ghul's like ultimate forever living healing for the right. audience who doesn't know that. Life, yeah. Uh, um, and he realizes Batman's Bruce Wayne. I don't know if it like it heightens your, 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 it probably heightens your, your, um, your, your intellect as well. And like everything just clicks almost like, almost like the Riddler from, wow, I just, I didn't, I didn't connect that with Jim Carrey where he's like gets all the things and he's like, who's got bats on the brain. Um, (laughs) uh, So it's kind of like that similar. And so I don't know the timing of this is so weird. And as of now, I don't know what the percentage is at, but that for the post-credit scene or post-credit riddle or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, the rotalata.com, which we'll get into later or if we want to, um, (laughs) one of the things in there and it's gone now because it keeps evolving, which is the weirdest thing too. Like, yeah. But oh, yesterday yeah. it was this video that had a, a little hush Easter egg in there. I wrote hush mm. against over Thomas Wayne. So yeah. maybe that is a teaser. If that is meant to be like a thing of things to come. And then with the, the solved riddle, which for those who know, who solved the cipher, she sat there with pen and paper yesterday. What an idiot. <laughs> There's like a key online. I'm like sitting there doing it. What a moron. Um, I'm calling myself a moron, by the way. Um, and it says in there, something's coming. So I wonder if there is some kind of a storyline that will involve not only Hush, but him realizing it. And so maybe that is coming down the road. Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, moving on to talking about the art of the film before we dive into the characters themselves and everything like that. I wanted to give a couple things I really liked about this film from a cinematography point of view. and. I have to say, I was really impressed with the use of colors and shadows that Matt Reeves did, because first of all, it 
it simulated a crime noir film very well that you've seen from, you know, inspirations from the fifties and sixties, because when you look at the colors and I've only seen this movie once, so I haven't really paid close attention to it since then, because again, I've only seen it once, but I remember when I watched the film that a lot of the colors were very flat and monochromatic, meaning that it was just different shades of gray or blacks and whites. And even Riddler's costume, which typically is green, is that shade of green that is very monochromatic as well, too. And I think that was a great way to tell the story for two reasons. One, again, it resembles a detective crime noir film, but also it highlights uh, it highlights certain visual cues in the movie when you do add color into it. So whenever you see blue and red, that sticks out a lot, especially when you see the red of the uh, of the um, dawn rising, you know, some of the scenes and things like that. Right. Where usually those scenes kind of represents a new detail of the storyline or something like that. Um, when the collar was on the DA on the neck, it was blue and red. And so you see that something huge was happening. Even when they introduced shades of green into the film, I feel like there was, it was supposed to represent truth somehow, like what Riddler is trying to do. Cause I remember the scene where Alfred was in the hospital, his gown looked really odd. And I didn't know what it was at first because it's kind of like a weird shade of green. But the more I looked at it more I'm like, Oh, it's a hospital gown. But because I was so distracted by the color of green with the shade of it and everything like that. And that was a moment of truth for them of him telling Bruce, what actually happened with his parents and everything like that? I thought it was just a really interesting way. That's a brilliant to, pickup. I didn't notice that. I, I, you know, I only noticed it. I think after I watched the movie, I just remember thinking like the colors popped out to me wow. for some reason and just kind of retro. And again, I need to go back and watch because maybe I'm just looking way too much into it. I don't it. think so, man. I think that's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, like it's one of those things where like once you say it, I'm like, oh, like that makes a lot of sense. And you know, I, I think there's a handful of directors who can do stuff like that, right? And mm-hmm. I think Reeves is one of them. Um, I mean, it takes a very smart person to think of all these things. I think, look, I think quickly John Watts is becoming one of those guys where you're like, mm-hmm. how, did, how did, who came up with this? Like, <laughs> just so smart. You know, I think, look, like these themes that are like embedded and I, you know, I, I'm amazed. And I, this, the dark nights of this day still like Nolan, you know, I, I look back and there's things that some will point out and say, Hey, did you notice that? And I'm like, no, I didn't, but that is amazing. <laughs> right. um, so that's incredible. Yeah. I know. I noticed for me, I noticed that it was like, again, like the crime noir, you know, tones. I didn't notice the green, which makes a lot of sense. I did mm-hmm. notice the dawn at the end. And I thought that was great. Like, especially where like, you know, he realizes he needs to, he needs to change. And the woman, you know, grabs his hand that he's helping towards the end. And it's like mm-hmm. the sun's coming up and it's kind of like reminds me of the dark night where it's like that it's, you know, with um, Aaron Eckhart said like, you know, it's darkest before the dawn. So he like went all night and now it's like the sun's coming up and like, he's starting a new day. He's going to evolve. He's going to change. Mm-hmm. And, and then they go, the, they go their separate ways. I mean, Catwoman at the end and like, right. And you know, that, yeah, that, that was obviously obvious. So I'm not like, brilliant but the the color thing i'm sure there's other things in there too and that's the cool thing about watching things over and over again um right again not nine hours of batman but um (laughs) is that i just think it's it really is i I love that you brought this up and and put this segment in there because i i love the fact that like paying homage and talking about the art form that is filmmaking because right i mean people don't you know 
look, we're all armchair quarterbacks, right? Like we're watching <laughs> these things. We're criticizing. We're saying this, we're saying that, whatever. But mm-hmm. I, I know just from like writing, you, you know, you, you, you wrote a review on this, writing reviews or cutting a video together. There's mm-hmm. so many things that go into stuff like that. Right. right and then yeah. to think of like a three hour movie and all these little nuances that someone puts in, Mm-hmm. It's impressive and it needs to be commended. And, you know, no matter who you are, um, well, right. minus a few people, but um, <laughs> like, I think it's really, it's impressive. It's interesting. And I, I, I love that um, aspect of it. I think it's, uh, right. yeah. Now, what did you think of the, um, the score and the needle drop in the movie? I love the, the music. Mm-hmm. Um, when I stayed for the credits, the first time I noticed this and I was like, wait, is this possible? So who thought the Batman score sounded just like Vader's March slowed down, right? The Imperial March, like done. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so first of all, I thought the score is great. And I thought mm-hmm. like, I remember like reading years ago, the Dark Knight was all one score, but it was like sped up or slowed down, which I think is incredible. But like, that's oh, another wow, thing. yeah. I wrote oh, an yeah. article about it years ago. This one, I love the score and there's certain moments where the music, I love the club scenes. Like I thought it was and help with the pacing. And I love the tone of the music, but I kept thinking, and I thought about it before I even saw the movie. I was like, this really sounds familiar. And when I was in it and you're in it and you're submerged and I'm like, it sounds like a slower, like, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> and then as the credits were rolling, the first time I saw it, it says, um, industrial light and magic, which is, the sound stage for Lucasfilm. It's a sound right. company for Luke. And I'm like, wait, did they buy it? Like there was a lot of Lucasfilm like and industrial light and magic like credits. Right. So, did they just rent out and rip off the Vader music? Like, is that what they did? Because I find it a, an ironic twist that a, a, a couple Lucasfilm companies are cited in the credits for the Batman. Right. And so I don't know. I could be wrong. It's interesting, but I, I actually love the music. I love the pacing. Um, mm-hmm. I thought it fit really well. Um, I loved, like I said, I love the natural sound that was in there too. So yes. yeah, at the very beginning when you hear, and again, this, again, this guy's wearing like probably 40 pounds of like gear. Right. Yep. So when he's walking through and you don't get this in previous Batman movies, mm-hmm. uh, when, when he's beating up the gang and you hear like, don't, don't, don't don't and they take their time with it too right like um and then you know like i said the the natural sound earlier that i mentioned when he's in the crime scene of the mayor's um house and it's like the creepiest like these black combat boots that are like you hear the leather like bending as he's walking and it's just like those little additions i thought were great um oh yeah that's what i really appreciated the most because it was just kind of this build up consistently this build up and you felt it felt realistic, not realistic in the sense that Batman's here, but like realistic in the sense that this dude is crime fighting. And this is bizarre. Like, Mm -hmm. (laughs) and this whole thing is bizarre. And so if it felt the most realistic reaction and feeling of, of, of it, like when you're in like, you know, like an Avengers movie, like the first Avengers 2012, Mm-hmm. I mean, knock on wood that aliens don't invade like with through Loki and Thanos <laughs> or whatever, but you're kind of like, come on, you know, like it's, it's great. And there's so many details. That's awesome. You don't yeah. ever really feel like this is real life. This one felt kind of like just the representation felt very realistic in the sense that how things are reacting and people are reacting and mm-hmm. some people are terrified. And so, yeah, I, I loved it. 
when yet again, I've, I've rambled on. No, 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 that's, no, that's good. No, it's, that's, uh, that's really good. And and I have to say, I love the score and the music, the Nirvana song that they use in there, something in the way. Um, love it. I think the only thing I'm going to watch it again later on this week and pay a little bit closer attention to this, but I felt like those were the only two pieces of music that was in the film was that score that signified Batman and that song. Cause I feel like they've used that song multiple times in the movie. Um, and so that was my one criticism of that with the audio. Um, but just like you said, the sounds, the sound effects and everything that's in that movie was great. Um, I also didn't mention this before as well, too, but the way that Matt Reeves used compositions and shadows mm. in the movie where Batman actually walked out of the shadow. It was really great because as the audience member, you were <laughs> you were experiencing that intensity waiting for Batman to come out. And when he does, it's it's not a sudden reveal. It's just a. a you see a shadowy figure coming out and finally comes into the light. And there was another scene where you don't see him at all. And then all of a sudden he steps out to talk to Jim Gordon and you had no idea he was there. So I love how Matt Reeves, you know, used composition into that effect. And the other thing that I really noticed, and I don't know if this was what Reeves was trying to do or not, but that scene where Bruce Wayne is at the funeral and there was a Gotham citizen that was criticizing the um, elite class and, and, and the uh, privilege and everything like that. Not realizing that's, he, that's he, the vengeance. Dude. Yeah, yeah. And and uh how he's just talking about that without realizing he was talking to Bruce Wayne. And you see that Bruce Wayne is kind of having that moment of realization when he's saying those things. And then as he's walking away, he looks back at the guy, and the guy slowly fades into a shadowy space. And so for me, it seemed like it was representing truth kind of showing up from like all different corners of the of the city that Batman and Bruce Wayne is exploring and not realizing, not seeing it until just now. So, um, so yes, yeah, so I think just as a, as a work of art, as a cinematic piece, regardless of it being a superhero genre or not, Matt Reeves treated this as yeah. a cinematic work of art. And I think that was really great here. So I saw a lot of response from, I mean, I always like, like seeing what fans are thinking, what they're, especially fans of the books, right. The, the, yes. the fans that have grown up. And I think a lot of people, I saw a lot of comments from people, on all different kinds of platforms where they were thanking Matt Reeves and like also cast and crew, like for creating this world that, mm-hmm. that they like loved and, and grew up like loving. And I think that's a testament too, right? Like no matter what you yeah. think about the storyline or about this or about, you know, what, whatever, again, go taking it back to appreciating the art that people put in and the work people put in. And, and I, I think, yeah, I think it's just, it's, it's incredible. Like all these little mm-hmm. things are, are just incredible. Um, and I do love, I really did love the Nirvana song when it, cause I, I mean, that's from, that was from one of the trailers. I think they, they had put it in there. Yes, um, they did earlier. And I'm a huge fan of that song. Just the tone of it. It's just one of the most like eerie. And I don't know. I've always felt this way. And it must be like, I must not be alone because like <laughs> it is one of the most like saddest Nirvana songs for some reason. And I don't know what it is yeah. about the tone. Um, and I was watching on a tangent, a documentary about Nevermind and, and the, the engineer that was, that was with Nirvana creating that. That's mm-hmm. one of his favorites. He was like, that one was just recorded on like a same, same thing with um, smells like teen spirit. It was recorded like on a whim and I'm right. a hit, but they talked about that one. And like so many songs that were just like his, like 
curse. And like, and I think Mm -hmm. that's a cool thing too, that you bring up. And now that I'm saying it, as I'm saying it, and you're talking about the parallels and the representations, there's a little bit of Kurt Cobain in Bruce Wayne and Robert Pattinson's portrayal. Like Mm -hmm. these people that are extraordinary people who are cursed with whether it's mental burden or physical burden or, Mm And so now, I mean, and now I feel like that's why the the song's in there, right? Like, yeah. is to kind of be like, this guy is, I mean, who, he's a billionaire, but obviously he's just like mentally, like, not, I wouldn't say it's not out to lunch, but he's just driven on something that is not going to end well. Right. Like, this whole crusade that he's on is not going to end in a positive way. There's just no right. way it can. He's not Superman. So mm-hmm. um, it's sad. And I think that's weird. It's like a weird parallel that like, I'm just like realizing now as we're thinking about it. And so that's another brilliant add in like from him to put something like that in there. That's like, so I don't know. It's, it's just, yeah. Well, it, it does. It definitely has that grunge kind of feel that Kirk Cobain is always associated with. And that was that song was in the very first trailer of the Batman. So it's it's because I remember that ended up being a sound clip uh, on TikTok that became very popular as well, too, for the past two years before the film came out as well, too. So that's what you said. I might be thinking too deep into it, but think about what Nirvana did and what mm-hmm. Kirk Cobain did for music, like ushered in a new generation, like a change and like. You yeah. know, got away all the the, the they, they they basically killed you know hair bands and like hair metal bands and you know like mm-hmm. and and brought in this like angst that like teens were feeling and stuff. I mean, it, wow! Like that's in, I mean, I'm, I'm literally like thinking about it now, and it's kind of incredible. Um, yeah. For what like that's what Nirvana is like known for is like this like brutal truth and like Kurt Cobain was never like the greatest singer of all time or you know he just had this like raw emotion and passion and drive um, mm-hmm. and, and connecting with the audience of that generation. And so, wow. Like it's just, so <laughs> and it may, it also softens up a little bit. Not that much <laughs> d- does the emo Bruce Wayne that we yeah. didn't get a lot of, which is fine. Cause he was, I mean, I got it. I mean, I got to count it at some point and got to watch this. And I'm sure someone has done this. Mm-hmm. He's Batman for most of the film. Um, he is, yeah. Bruce Wayne, it, very, it's got to be very minimal, like a few percent. Like if someone like did the minutes or whatever, you know, they do that stuff with like, you know, the minutes on screen for Iron Man, Captain America, whatever. they always <laughs> like, someone's got to do that and figure it out because I'm sure he's Bruce Wayne for like five minutes of the movie. So yeah, people have, have mentioned that on social media that um, there's definitely a lot more prominence of Batman than there is of Bruce Wayne. And you definitely feel that as well too. And, and when Bruce Wayne is on screen, it's usually those moments of truth for his legacy, basically. And not so much, you know, it's, it's almost, it, it almost drives into showing how he is connected to Gotham through the Riddler's, uh, plot basically um, because you see him as Bruce Wayne a little bit at the beginning and then he's mostly Batman until later on with the funeral and things like that as well yeah. too but yeah I, I think you're right I think it's mostly Batman I know a lot of people have said that they've noticed as well too is that it's a lot more Bat- Batman than Bruce Wayne and there's not like a balance between the two at all so which fits the storyline too I mean it's been said before um, mm-hmm. and it was said years ago with the Dark Knight trilogy and said now and, and obviously the Riddler says it like to him like right. you know your mask is like the real person is, is Batman. The mask is Bruce Wayne. Um, and it's always been said that like, you know, I, I, in, in some of the books, like, like 
they show him and they do a really good job in some of the comic arcs where mm-hmm. like he'll be in like, you know, he's at Wayne Enterprises or doing whatever. And he's just daydreaming, like, yeah, daydreaming about being Batman at night. Like he just yeah. always get, getting back to that. Like that's his real life. Essentially. It's not really the other way around. So, right. um, yeah, you got to see mostly Batman. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and that's a good segue to start talking about the characters in this movie as well, too, for this episode, because that's that was actually the next topic that I want to touch base on is is the character of Batman and Bruce Wayne, how mm-hmm. Robin Pattinson does with those characters. And and I got to say, for me personally, just like what we talked about, he plays Batman for most of the film. Um, when he plays Bruce Wayne, it does kind of have that emo grunge feel to it, especially with his hair, because when you look at other portrayals of Bruce Wayne in film, it's usually a clean cut, well presented. And again, if you frame this, can contextualize this as this being year two of him being Batman, not only is he still trying to figure out how to be Batman, but he's still trying to figure out how to be Bruce Wayne. And so the fact that he's still a recluse, that he doesn't show up except for these major events. And even when he does, he's clearly not you know, welcomed in a way that people expect him to be and things like that. Um, Cause at first when I saw images of him being Bruce Wayne, I remember thinking the hair just looked really odd for Bruce Wayne character. But again, when you contextualize that with him being year two of Bruce Wayne and whatever setting basically right now, and that he's still a recluse and he's still trying to figure out what it means to be Bruce Wayne in the context of also being Batman. I think it makes a lot of sense to present him in this way. So I think Robert Pattinson, because he doesn't play Bruce Wayne a whole lot. I think that what's interesting, what's to his benefit is when we compare him to the other bat, the other actors that play Batman, um, he has an edge because this story hasn't been told before yeah. because all the other actors are playing a Batman that's already been established. Even with Christian Bale, when he has Batman Begins, they just dive right into he knows yeah. what he's doing by the end of that movie. And and still with this, this is really seeing that character, both Batman and Bruce Wayne develop and he's still developing. Like he still doesn't have everything figured out yet, but he knows the direction he's going by the end of the film. And he's still trying to sort out how to get there too. I liked what you said about the unkempt too. Like, I don't know if you remember, cause I don't, I'm actually asking. <laughs> I think what would have helped it a little bit is I think, the dude needs some scruff. Like, I mean, I think <laughs> essentially look, what, like think about this, right? Like uh-huh. he's up all night. So, yeah. and they, 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 they address it early on, you know, Alfred says like, Oh, you have the accountants coming over and this and that we got to save one enterprise. It's like, I don't, I don't care. Like yeah. he's throwing a shirt on and he's like, you know, I think I actually, the hair makes sense to what you said it makes a lot of sense because he just doesn't have time he doesn't care like he's just kind of right. like whatever like yeah i think it should have been a little bit i mean i guess you know let's not do the spider-man thing where he puts it over his face <laughs> Spider-Man three. it starts but, in the dance yeah yeah but I, and there's, yeah i think that was the thing too like what is he shaving like i, I that, that was a, you know i think there is i think he might have been scruffy in some parts but i gotta remember but i think there were some it, parts where he was really clean. you only see it when he's when he's close up like okay. when it's close up, you see the scruff, but at a medium shot or farther, you don't. It should have been more going in. It. Like, so you can't really see my scruff. Mine's like two day scruff. Your, your scruff is like easier to see. It should have been closer <laughs> to yours. And I think right. I would have gotten more of like this, like you said, like this recluse, like 
mm-hmm. guy who no one would guess is fighting crime. Um, <laughs> and maybe he shaves for it as, as a way to blend in. So you, the chin is, you know, is, I don't know, maybe there'd be giveaways. So that could be a thing too. Right. I think to your point, when you say about the character development, I agree um, wholeheartedly where I think of like, I think of all the different Batman we've seen. So mm-hmm. um, I'm not going to touch on, um, the Godfather himself um, in the sixties. Um, Cause I haven't seen, <laughs> I'm not like very well upped in the, in the sixties Batman. And it's a little different uh-huh. than what we're seeing now, but right. You know, Keaton was the first and it was unique and did a, an amazing job uh, of, of bringing this character to screen. I think the most complete character was obviously was to me was Bale because he just, he he was established and I don't think Batman Begins handles that as well as it could have done and also like again the flip side of Pattinson when is Bale's Bruce Wayne like combing his hair and getting you know putting a suit on and I, I, that doesn't make sense now that we've seen this where we're like, like this, this, what is, he, is this guy popping Red Bull like there's no tomorrow in five hundred like <laughs> like there's when does he have time to look like you know he looks really good when he's at Wayne Enterprise he's all like done up and like flirting with women and stuff like that so right that is a little bit of like dude when does this guy not die of exhaustion um, mm-hmm. but I still think he's the most complete where like I love both sides of it. Um, Pattinson's a brand new version that we haven't seen and I do love his take I think he was a lot better um, and everyone always brings up Keaton right as far as like mm-hmm. oh he's Mr. Mom and like people like always made fun of him like oh he's not gonna be a good one but Christian Bale was in Newsies uh, he was singing <laughs> in Newsies as a kid so right. I think look acting is acting right like I think you think of all these people that some are gonna be good some are gonna be bad I think if anyone who was set up for the most success was mm-hmm. Ben Affleck. And he's my easily my least favorite. I think his, <laughs> I think his Bruce Wayne and I might, you might, I think you probably disagree because I think you liked his Bruce Wayne. Um, I did. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, like a, and that's fine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it, it's, 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 it's art, right? Everyone takes differently. There was right. things about his Bruce Wayne that I just thought were like so weird. He had Southern dialect every now and then when he's talking to, to Clark, he's like son. And I'm like, is he from Texas or something? Like, what is going on? Like, yeah, I just don't. And I also just didn't love Ben Affleck's depiction. And I know Ben Affleck wasn't like super into it. I think he was like annoyed by all the fandom of, of everything, which gets me anyway. Um, <laughs> obviously, his Batman was 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 great. At least that one scene in Batman v Superman. But right. I do think, yeah, to your point, and I've talked way too long on this topic, but I think he's. It's a very unique take. We're going to see him develop, but I do like the flaws and I do like Mm -hmm. seeing him, you know, warts and all where he's just kind of like, whatever. I do like the part where he's putting his shirt on and you do see, you still see like the scars and the hits and he's, you know, he's just going through it. Right. Um, Why? God knows why. But um, (laughs) I think that part I really, really enjoyed and really liked. Um, And I think I want to see that more explored more because I, it is interesting and weird. Like it's, you know, mm-hmm. like he's at the funeral and like the cops like, Hey Bruce. And I'm like, <laughs> why do people care about this billionaire orphan? Like, right. I don't understand. I still don't understand that. Like in, in reality, like, especially when he hasn't had a, he, like a lot of public presence too. What? Who cares? He's got a lot of money. He's not like a, I don't know. He's not like, it's one thing if like a rich socialite, like, you know, the Hilton stuff, they were going partying and doing all this stuff. And like, they were in right. the limelight. So they were kind mm-hmm. of like, 
paparazzi, you know, like catnip. Mm-hmm. Who cares about a recluse guy whose dad did 20 years ago, did good for the city, like, or was right. going to do, to, you know, do well for the city and, and didn't get a chance to, to really right. take that too far. So that well, story it, always questioned me. Yeah. Well, I, I think, I think it's because, uh, in the in the movie and in the comics, they dive into this as well, too. But definitely in the movie, they dive into the fact that the Waynes was like one of the founding families mm. of Gotham. And so I think it's one of those things where even though he's been a recluse, everybody in Gotham knows yeah. the Waynes and um, the I forget the other Arkham. That yeah, I love. Yes. I love that, too. No one's yeah. ever touched on that. That Martha's <laughs> back backstory mm-hmm. and and namesake. Is dude Arkham Asylum? I mean, come on! Yes. Like that was really cool, and I hope they dive further into that. And that's again, that's that's what I wanted out of this. Like, look, like I'm a huge fan of Flashpoint, um, and I wasn't look, wasn't hoping for a completely change of. I don't want a retcon of the books. I know people are, you know, like some people enjoy it a little bit, some people didn't. It would. Mm-hmm. I did think it was kind of cool, and I like the fact that Martha Wayne, Martha, Martha Arkham, uh, uh, maiden name, <laughs> had some problems. Right. And, you know, obviously Thomas Wayne was trying to do his best to protect his wife. And mm-hmm. uh, I like that aspect. We've never seen that before. And right. so I thought that was super interesting. And I, I, I would love to dive into it further if, if mm-hmm. possible down the road, if, if there's some way to like, you know, expand on that. Cause I think that's fascinating. Yeah. Oh um, yeah. yeah and, I love that. I wouldn't be surprised if they do too. So, um, okay. So we talked about, Batman. Let's talk a little bit about Selena Kyle, Catwoman here. Uh, what were your thoughts about Zoe Kravitz's portrayal of Catwoman? I think she's. I think she was really, really good. Um, I, I, I always think she does. She always does better than I think she's going to do in everything she does, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, and so I think she was really strong. I liked her chemistry with Pattinson. Mm-hmm. Um, Same here. Yeah. And I just think she carried herself really well. And um, yeah, I have nothing that I, I did the twist at the end. What did you think about her being Balcony's daughter? I thought that was, I liked that twist. I saw it coming. Um, uh-huh. I, man, Fal- Tortoro, like that chemistry <laughs> was great at the end with him and her. And yeah. And I, I he was just a beast in this film, but, um, Oh yeah. 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 I, I thought, um, you know, I don't know if that was something that was, um, drawn from inspiration from the comic books or if it was written for the movie, but I really like the fact that there are these little connections. And again, it makes sense when I think you run the risk. If you make all these connections, of all the characters in all the movies all the time. But I think mm. this makes sense because when you look at how society can be, especially in a city like Gotham and you have, you know, the elite or the higher ups, the way they are, it makes sense that they are touching these things, you know, a lot of different ways. And so I think it was really interesting. And it, adds a nice little touch to some of the groundedness, I think of Catwoman, Selena Kyle's background and history and how she's all connected yeah. to this. And that it's not just, you know, she happens to be there right moment, right time type of thing, but it kind of makes sense. And even though she revealed that part, I feel like there's still a lot more mystery 
to who she is as a person as well, too, because, yeah, yeah, now we know kind of a little bit about her upbringing and her biological parents and things like that. But we still have a lot to tell about what has happened since then, since, you know, the the passing of her mother and and where she's been this whole time as well, too. So I think there's still a lot more story to tell about. Yeah. And I also I mean, like, it's also if you think about it, she's an orphan. So I think what I liked about it, again, Reeves did. And I think this is again, this is one of those things where like, it takes a while and actually takes talking about it and thinking about it. Think about this. So you have mm-hmm. Bruce, you have the Riddler and you have Catwoman. So I, I like the telling of stories in different ways that are similar. So, right. and the fact that they're all like interconnected, but at the same time, like they all had different results. Right. You know, right. Um, she obviously mm-hmm. had a tougher upbringing, but is somewhere in the middle. And then you got Bruce who went the other way and then you got, you know, Edward, um, I, say, I wouldn't say Nigma um, <laughs> that he went the other way. So I think that's really cool. And that was obviously done purposely to, to show the different outcomes. I think I always think, and this covers the gamut of it, right? I think mm-hmm. I always think that the best villains and the best characters are ones that much like Batman one mm-hmm. good day and they're a superhero. So, you know, right. Anakin Skywalker Dude stays in the in the Jedi Temple and doesn't go out and do what he does. He's a Jedi, or you know, uh, you know. I I like thinking about the what ifs of those things too. And I think mm-hmm. the same thing with like Edward. I mean, he could have gone down the right means, the right path, and and I think Catwoman kind of toes that line. And so I like. It's weird they're covering all the sh- the color palette shades with these characters, right? Um, all from different backgrounds. And I think that's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, definitely. Well, and and one other thing that I'll touch about Catwoman that I think is really interesting, that's subtle, but I think also goes along the line with the style of the movie as well too, is that when you look at the different Catwoman that we've had, so we have Michelle Pfeiffer in the Mm -hmm. uh, Batman Returns. We've had uh, Anne Hathaway in the Dark Knight Returns. Um, And in this one, I feel like, Catwoman is portrayed again as a anti-hero in a sense, but as somebody who is just very skilled at what she does and mm-hmm. is wasn't looking to be an anti-hero necessarily or yeah. or have that sort of thing. But what I thought was really interesting is that with this whole film, they ground it so much into reality that it doesn't feel like a superhero film mm-hmm. at that because because again, all the characters that we have so far doesn't have some sort of super level power. Like we don't have a Bane that's using a substance to turn himself into, you know, super strength monster. We don't have a, a Mr. Freeze yet who's using technology to be able to freeze everything. Everything is grounded in realism. And, and we see that with the villains, you know, Colin Farrell's uh, penguin, right? It's he, that's his nickname because he resembles a penguin, but he's not literally a penguin. Like how he was in Batman returns. What I like about Zoe Kravitz's Selena Kyle is that um, her fingernails is very long. And so it's not something that is kind of like a cheap point. Again, it's just makes a lot of sense that she uses the style too. So like, you know, it's like the, it's the style these days too. So that is really, and I like her, her mask is not yes. 
like the cat ears and stuff like that, or like, le- you know, there's leather, but it's, it's also just like, like you said, realistic. It's like a cutout of like a, a, a ski mask basically. Is, or that's exactly right. Yeah. And yeah. so I, I liked that. I noticed that like early on when I saw that and I was like, Oh, it's cool. And then again, I think it was the same way with Anne Hathaway where I don't know about the ears or whatever, but it's kind of like <laughs> to crack vaults her, and say, yeah, her goggles yeah. like resembled ears when she flipped yeah. them up basically. Yeah. Oh Yeah. So it's yeah. not, it's not weird. And you know, it's, it's, it's just, a, it's, it's a kind of like winking a nod to the character. Right. Which I like. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about Riddler. Cause I know you have a lot of thoughts about Paul Dano and you expressed them a little bit earlier um, already. And I'll, I'll say this is that um, with Paul Dano, I remember early on in the trailers, they never showed his face. Mm. And I was really curious about that because I'm, because part of me was thinking, are they actually misleading us that this isn't the Riddler, but somebody mm. else? Is he really like disfigured or what is going on with that? And then when we finally see his face, he's just a normal looking guy that's goofy, geeky looking person with a stupid grin on his face when yeah. he sees Batman with his face pressed against the counter there, right? But I thought that was a really great way to kind of hype up the anticipation because you're wondering what's happening. And then when that happens, I what's funny is I didn't really feel let down. I thought it was just kind of interesting of how yeah. they did that, that they never revealed his face. And then when it finally did, again, I think it just goes back to the theme of what we saw later on is that the Riddler could be anybody that's mm-hmm. been in his sort of situation as well, too. So, um, so that, that's my quick thought about Riddler. And I know you, you talked a little bit about Paul Dano and the payoff at, at the end of it, but in terms of how Paul Dano portrays a character yeah. of Riddler and this being a Zodiac killer style versus what we got in Batman forever and all that, what'd you think of that? I thought it was great. I actually really, again, another one that I thought was, and he brought it home. And, and that's why, that's why I was so bummed out with the lack of the payoff, because I think there's mm-hmm. like, and it's not, look, it's not level of like Heath Ledger Joker, right? That, right. that is just, is out of this world, but it's good. It's really good. And it's creepy and the way he carried it and his mannerisms and the way he like his inflection and like when he does go like there was there was literal moments during the film where like you know you jump back a little bit where he's with like i think it's the police commissioner and mm-hmm. he's like he just screams at him out of nowhere like guys like trying to get out of it and he <laughs> screams at him and you're like whoa like it you know you don't expect it and so i think right. that was the the cool part about his portrayal and at the end i liked when they got him in the cafe which is a nod to that famous painting obviously um yes <laughs> um, which i thought was kind of cool another cool thing too uh-huh. When they got him, I just thought it was super creepy. And he's putting the question like I liked and he's smiling. He sees, you know, I think he's a guy who's fully like enjoying this and fully yeah. enjoying. And he comes from nothing, probably is going to get, you know, this it was like he was a forensic accountant or something. Um, probably not going to be, you know, relevant, that relevant in life, you mm-hmm. know, anyway. And just snaps and was like, you know, what for whatever reason, I just wanted it to be something more why he snaps like that. That's whatever. <laughs> right. But I thought the delivery and the, the performance was great, like the breathing. And then even at the end when he's like freaking out when 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 Batman's like, we're nothing like I liked Batman like triggering him where he's like, no, like he's yes. losing his mind. He's like, this is not how it's supposed to go. And he's kind of like having like a temper tantrum. 
yeah. which I thought was great yeah. in like a really fun way. The same with the Joker, nothing is serious. Mm-hmm. And like, no matter what, the Joker kind of just like laughs it off and, you know, is like, ah, whatever. He right. was just kind of like, wait, why I'm, I'm the smartest guy here. Why is this not working out? I'm so annoyed. I thought I had everything, you know, whatever. And he just like loses his mind. And so right. I really liked it. And even at the end, like he's in the cell, he's obviously kind of like, and I, I, I think the whole thing where he's trying to, he wants to be Batman's friend. <laughs> and, and he thought that they were in in on it together. Yeah, you know, like, he's like, I've been mutual understanding. You're, you're revealing it. I thought we were partners. Yeah. And I think that's a really cool plug for what we saw at the end, of course, uh, which is, is obviously a, a sign of things to come. But mm-hmm. I thought, you know, and it just, it's very steady with the character. And I thought Paul Dano did a great job with it. Yeah. Like, great. Yeah. So I, I will say this I agree with all of that 100%. One thing that I am still on the balance about a little bit is that as these scenes were happening when I was watching the film, I felt like I was being taken back to different parts of other Batman genres or medias that we've been exposed to. So with the Riddler, a lot of his crime scenes that we got was kind of reminiscent of what we saw in dark Knight, Right. So yeah. for example, when he posted that video of himself, um, with the commissioner. I don't know if he was torturing. Yeah. With the commissioner and all that. It's just like the Joker. Yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. which, which is kind of interesting because I will say this is that in 2008, when the dark Knight came out, there wasn't social media, at least not what we have now. And so that was something that was sent to the uh, news channel, I think, mm-hmm. um, and Gotham. Whereas this, it totally makes sense for the Riddler to do that because that's what you do now is you post things on social media, try to get a following, try to get your voice heard, things like that. So I think it makes sense for him to do it. I just remember thinking this is a lot like the Dark Knight. And then some of those, mm-hmm. you know, reveals of the final um, problem, basically, with in this film and that they're Riddler has set up to where the whole city gets flooded out and things like that is again, kind of reminiscent of the dark Knight, Right. I didn't. Yeah. That I also didn't love. I, I think the whole thing with the chat room where he's got the diehard followers and I understand mm-hmm. what they're doing. And I, I really think it's, I come again, I commend it for, I don't know if people on here and I'm not going to get political at all, but like there's mm-hmm. the QAnon thing where people are on like 4chan. They're like, you know, like there's right. a lot of conspiracy theorists out there and, people are talking and there's all these dangerous message boards out there where, you know, there's a lot of like bad things happening, you know, they've proven it. And again, not no political, you know, affiliations here at all, but like they've, they've trailed, you know, shootings and things back to like people back and forth being like, I hate this, 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 you know, group group of people and Mm -hmm. they hype each other up and talk each other up and they do something crazy. That's what happens here. Where like, you know, the Riddler starts this whole thing with like, was like 50 to a, either 50 or 500 people are on there. I think it's 500. And like, mm-hmm. they're all logged in with a password and stuff like that. But like, how long has he been doing that? And no one was able to, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, I, I mean, knock on what I hope that's not real. Like, right. I mean, I know there's all kinds of things that are, you know, um, avoided every day. Thank God mm-hmm. that like, you know, could happen. And, uh, Again, not on what I'm super superstitious about that kind of stuff, but like, right? It just like it was just a password to get into this thing, and they get in, they're like, <laughs> oh hey, now we're watching all these videos, and that really yeah. fe- that's another thing that fell flat for me too. Where I liked what they did, and I liked the idea, but I I didn't love the concept of it. I just felt it kind of didn't mm-hmm. really wow. Yeah, me. I, 
I think they didn't explain that part well because he was a forensic accountant. So I think it was kind of assumed that he knew how to avoid that sort of thing. But they didn't really explain it to the audience because if you didn't know what a forensic accountant was, you would have no idea you yeah. know what that significance was. I, and I agree. The, the other thing that I thought I was taken back to was I love the game um, Batman Arkham Knight. Yeah, and in that game, game, you have a lot of side missions with the Riddler. And a lot of the mannerisms is very similar to what Paul Dano does. And this, especially, you know, with some of the nervous breakdowns that he has and things like that with like the random shouting and and stuff like that, it's it's kind of, it's not exactly the same, but it's just reminiscent of that. But I think part of me has to realize that at some point there are going to be things that overlap, especially with this being the most, the superhero that has the most films out there about him. Well, I mean, that's what makes Spider-Man No Way Home so great. Um, yeah. And I think because like it was kind of, on, I mean, aside from, well, there's obviously other like ridiculous callbacks that we get <laughs> in, you know, in cameos and like appearances. But yeah. I do think like the themes and like at least the Tom Holland Spider-Man story was so original and like right. it, it, it's just cool and different and unique. And I think, and it's not a knock to anything and not a knock to Reeves in this movie. I think this movie is, is really well done as <laughs> we're nitpicking things. Mm-hmm. But I also think like to your point, like what is it, like music, there's no new new lyrics or new new sounds. Like right. everything's been done. I yeah. think the same thing with like Batman and Superman. And I mean that's why that's the problem with Superman. Um mm-hmm. aside from it being unrealistic to a certain degree, even though like Mar- yeah, how unrealistic love Marvel films, but like <laughs> it's just been done. And I think you gotta do it right, and people love it so much. And the same thing with Batman, where it's just it it is crazy. To, do, to defend Ben Affleck a little bit, it's crazy how quickly, you know, there's one thing and people like lose their minds. So they have to redo it. So again, right. The amazing Spider-Man is a great example. Like Andrew Garfield, an Oscar nominated, I don't know if he's won an Oscar nominated actor. Who's an amazing actor. He probably will win this year, I think. But, um, mm-hmm. you know, is given the first movie was pretty okay. The second movie wasn't that great, but like, <laughs> they're just like, immediately it didn't cross a billion they're like re, 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 let's let's start right. over again they just dropped it yeah <laughs> so i think the same thing with batman i think it everyone's so hyper focused and that's really the downside of fandom is like people can't again i respect people that love this movie or love that movie or like it's something for everyone daredevil even the movie daredevil like mm-hmm. i will never forget i posted something as a joke about how i hated <laughs> like a daredevil i'm like if he's coming coming back to multiverse of madness i'm like please if anyone's listening don't have him come back uh-huh. Someone commented on the on the video and was like, "Hey, I really liked that movie, and it kind of got me through a really tough time um, in my life when I saw it. And I needed it was like it, it essentially it saved my life. And I was like, my mind has been changed. And like, you absolutely that, that's great. That is right. great. And so I was like, honestly, that's great to hear. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I, I hopefully I didn't say anything to like offend you. I was just talking trash about Ben Affleck as in a joke. But like, <laughs> right? I think that kind of love and and that it it, it should be." again like except for the really really terrible movies um it's great that some people love certain things and i think that's you know that's really important um definitely yeah well and i think that's that's the great thing about being part of this fandom or what's potentially great about it because i know we still have gatekeepers to this day with all this stuff but i think what is really great is that there's always going to be a film that you'll love because it's a character that you love and someone does it well that you resonate with it really well as well too. And, and and if it's a movie that you watch, you just like, it's not 
my cup of tea. I mean, there's no reason to bash it. And, and I say this full well knowing that I bash Batman and Robin all the time. Uh, but I will say this. I'll go on record and say this is that, yes, I bash it. And yes, it's corny as heck. But I think somebody said one time that, you know, I, they were attempting to do a remake of like 1966 mm-hmm. style kind of Batman film. And I think that's what clicked for me is that, you know, Yes, there's not going to be films that resonate with me, and I'm still going to say like I feel like it's a terrible movie. But I will also be the first person to say that don't let what my exactly. feelings about that take away that experience for you. If you love it, if there's like a great memory that you have, or you're like, you know, great, that's great. Right. And I think, and I respect that. And I think that's the thing that I think we need more of, where it's just kind of fun and dialogue, and people aren't like ripping each other's heads off because they don't like, you know, whatever. I oh yeah. Yeah, it's just getting ridiculous. I, yeah, I agree. And I, I think that's how we have to approach as well, too, is say, I did not like this movie. I think we cross the line when we say that if you like this movie, then you're a terrible person or attacking someone's yeah. character for that reason. You know, I can be up here and say, I think Batman Robin is a terrible movie, but I will still respect your opinion if you like yeah, the movie, yeah. you know? I personally love the Bat Nipple, so I'm, I'm glad you respect <laughs> it. Right. And the Batman Forever credit card. <laughs> uh, don't ever leave the Batcave without it. All right. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about Tom Farrell's Penguin because I think how long do we, we can, have? I mean, I we gotta, like, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, this is probably going to be the longest episode we've ever had, but that's okay because I think this is this is a really good conversation, and I I will say this is that I think it says something when you already have a potential spinoff series of a character from a movie that hadn't been released yet. Yeah, please, you know? <laughs> I, I I am begging, and I think it's it. Look, I coming out of it he was obviously the highlight for me and it was Mm -hmm. nice to know. And this is, again, this is the upside of fandom, right? Mm -hmm. It was really cool when I was reading all the reviews and reading all the people like making comments and everyone was like in agreement. And again, I don't have to be in agreement with me, like, you know, whatever, like that was my take, but it was kind of cool where you don't, you don't feel alone and you're like other people. I mean, the, the El Ratalata part, like he, mean, he was the comic relief, but he also was like a lot of the heart of the movie too, where, he was, you could tell he was genuinely offended that Falcone was a rat. Like at the end, yeah. he's sitting there oh, and yeah. I love how they end it where he's, again, that the long gaze of like people struggling with it, where I don't think the penguins, uh, he's, he's a gangster and mm-hmm. he's also very different than what we've seen before in a very good way. Like yeah. he is, like you said, like much more realistic than Danny DeVito, even though Danny DeVito, great. I mean, Danny DeVito's a, 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 a legend go oh yeah um, it's just a burton film so it has to be weird like that yeah, you know so yeah <laughs> i just think it's just it's cool that he's like there's empathy for this character he yes you know he runs his club he's not a complete like terrible person i mean obviously mm-hmm. he's probably got <laughs> murdered a ton of people and whatever <laughs> dealing drugs but like he he's not like you see him he's not terrible to people and from what i saw and mm-hmm. <laughs> defending the penguin right now is hilarious <laughs> but like you know and like he's he he's shooting at batman when he thinks he stole his money that's understandable that's fine and right. then even like you know where it, it, there's just such like engagement you just love the character when like him and gordon are like interrogating him and he's like it's the worst spanish ever heard like he's yeah. just he's really good and at the end you can tell like something's coming and i really hope colin farrell appreciates it and Colin mm-hmm. Farrell wants to keep doing it and the fans yes. appreciate it and the people in charge recognize it 
because it would be an amazing series, whether it's like, I don't know, uh, where, I don't know who is owning this at this point right now. <laughs> it's all connected. I know HBO max is the Warner brothers streaming and there's like 95 yeah. streaming platforms. Right. So I hope yeah. HBO max has like, Oh, I'm going to make the series. I don't know if I you can make a are, movie yeah. about, yeah, I don't think you can make a movie about uh, the penguin. I don't know if it would like really carry like, um, but I would love to see a series about it. I would also mm-hmm. love to see a prequel series about like Thomas Wayne and like, you know, old, yeah. you know, old Arkham slash Gotham. But I think he was just great. And I love, love, love. And this is like, look, this is my like soapbox and then I'll be done. You know, this is my <laughs> Ted talk. <sighs> Colin Farrell. And this is why I like him so much. And it's the mm. guy that he's, he's easily a guy. You just want to go have a beer with. Right. I mean, that's right. Hands down. I, the reason I don't like Ben Affleck as Batman is first of all, I was on red carpets and I did interviews. The dude hated being Batman. Which oh, again, yeah. no matter what you think, he was always complaining. No one asked for live by night. And I'm like, dude, it's Batman. <laughs> Shut up and cash your checks. Um, <laughs> but I don't like when people don't appreciate the role. The reason Mark Hamill is so godly is the fact that he like. He leans into it. He leans into it. He does really good things about it. I think Tom yeah. Holland is another one, man. Yeah. I just seem he, the, the kid can do no wrong. Like he loves it. There's a video like of the, the No Way Home premiere. He's dancing in the, in the car going to, he's enjoying it. You mm-hmm. should enjoy it. You're a freaking movie star. Right. Tom Farrell, like as Penguin, I, I'm sure you saw the story where he like went to Starbucks as Penguin and ordered oh, like, yeah. latte. Like <laughs> that's awesome. And he told yeah. the story and he's looking at it and he, he respects the art of it. But I also just think I, he, he just, he, he's having fun. He's mm-hmm. doing an amazing job. And I want to see more of that. Yeah. Um, you know, as wacky and crazy as Christian Bale can be, um, <laughs> he did, you know, he did an American accent for the entire press tour of Batman Begins. He didn't break yeah. character. He didn't break Bruce Wayne character. Yeah, he was Bruce but, Wayne the whole time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy. <laughs> I mean, I respect that, you know. Yeah. So I think, like, I appreciate that. I hate people that run from this. Like, my my face sake, Schwimmer, we're awesome friends. <laughs> hates for, like, I mean, I, I got it for years. The dude hates friends so much. And I yeah. don't understand why you're like a hundred millionaire because of the show. Yeah. Why are you fighting against these things? And it's, it's, <laughs> Oh, I don't, I want to remember for more than that. Like, shut up. Stop. <laughs> like whatever, like enjoy it. Have fun. Right. And I know it's crazy. The fandom is crazy, but I just, I like seeing people enjoy it. It makes you enjoy it. And I think that is Colin Farrell. What in a nutshell, how I look at this and I want to mm-hmm. see him film a show and have outtakes from being silly. Like we saw from no way home where they're all dancing and doing like prom poses. You right. want to, as a fan, you want to see that you need, yeah. need more of that. So mm-hmm. I, I just hope they give him everything that we all want and he wants and whatever. So we'll right. say. Yeah. You know, I, I think what's really interesting about uh, the penguin as a character is that just like what you said, it seems like he had a, he knows that he's a, a thug like he has no illusions of that at all whatsoever he knows he's part of organized crime and that he's not doing good in a sense but he also seems to live by a code of loyalty Mm. as well too and that's why he was so offended about what happened with falcone at the end there and just like what you said with that last scene of him looking out to the skyline he's also conflicted with what's happening is probably going to be a a moment of change for him in terms of how he views the world and you know how he's been duped essentially by the person that he's been working for um so i think it's going to 
set up a possibility of how he's going to turn into a more vicious villain than what we've seen before. Um, but I think to your point about the series and all that, I will say that I've been seeing on social media that they're already talking about a penguin um, HBO max series. I think a Catwoman HBO max series, hmm. um, a Arkham asylum. And then I think a, a GCPD um, show as well too that's featuring mm. Jim Gordon um, but I think some of those are just rumors that feels but like the, Gotham though so that was that's a quick quick a quick reboot yeah, yeah. I, I think what they want to do is they still want to explore that story but a little bit you know reeled in because I know Gotham they gave them pretty much all free range in terms of how they want to tell the story and all that mm. which I think worked well the first few seasons then they kind of got out of hand yeah, after that but, but I mean all those have been I think rumored except Penguin has been discussed for a long time as well, too. So I think yeah. there's a really good chance that out of those four, we're definitely going to see Colin Farrell's Penguin showing up on HBO Max, just like how we've seen Peacemaker that was a spinoff from uh, yeah. the Suicide Squad. So, Which, uh, what a series. I mean, yeah. and, I, and again, I think that's the beauty of what the time we're living in right now with all these mm-hmm. shooting platforms. It's a lot, but I also think there's such like now much more opportunity to do these things, right? And I right. think it's nice to see these side roles that, you know, someone can pitch and just go and, and like, to your point, like someone's going to relate to it. I mean, who, who the, who the hell knew who Peacemaker was Yeah. Uh, before? <laughs> I mean, and I saw, look now as, as a comic book collector and a fan, I've seen all the first appearances pop up now and people are selling them by them or oh, whatever. Yeah. Like, and yep. it's an, he's an old character and he's been around for, for decades, but. Oh yeah. I well, know. in fact, the, the comedian was, from uh, Watchmen was created because I think DC didn't allow, um, oh gosh, his name is blanking me, but they didn't allow him to use Peacemaker, I think. And so they oh, wow. made the comedian, if I remember correctly, I, I know there was like kind of a spinoff in, in that regard or some sort of connection with that, if I remember correctly, but yeah, it's uh, it's, it's fascinating. Yeah. So, um, well, well, let's do one final character. And then I just want to kind of go into some other thoughts that we have about the film that we mm-hmm. haven't discussed because I know we're <laughs> reaching up on like almost two hours. So I, I was serious when this is going to be probably a, a longer episode than what we, we got to set a record so. every single time. And then at yeah. some point we're going to reach like a 10 hour, <laughs> we're have like a 10 hour marathon uh, podcast, which, which yeah. would be great. Uh, what about Jim Gordon? what do you think about Jim Gordon in this you movie? Know, I love Jeffrey Wright. And I think I want mm-hmm. that guy to narrate my life. Like, <laughs> I mean, right. Right. Because yeah, you know, not no pun intended on, on saying right. Um, <laughs> first of all, his watcher is phenomenal. Yes. Um, he's amazing in Westworld, and I think mm-hmm. he's another guy that I've watched for years and years and years. And I've, I've as an actor, remember mm-hmm. like the Jean Jean Michel Basquiat um, movie that they did, and he was playing. You know, I, I think he's an amazing actor. I, I yeah, I'm a huge fan of his. Um, there was a few things a little overacted. I don't know if you knew, like if you, if you noticed that as well, or if it was just me where like a couple of times he was like, it was just, it felt a little bit over a little bit overdone. Mm-hmm. I think w- with the penguin scene, where there was a couple where he would like, and I was like, eh, you know, it wasn't as natural as I liked. I mm-hmm. did love his, I loved his chemistry with Batman. Um, the scene right. in, in the police quarters where he's like, you're going to, you know, you're it, it we need to get you out of here. And he's like, not if you punch me. And I love right. that. I mean, yeah. I love, love that. Um, and I also love, and I, I haven't seen much backlash, which is really good. Mm-hmm. I love that. He just is. And we've, I, and we've talked about this a little bit off, off this, um, the diversity in 
this movie mm-hmm. reminds me a little bit of Eternals. Um, yeah. Storyline minus the storyline for everyone <laughs> out there where right. it's, it doesn't define the character. And I know that sounds cliche and whatever, but um, you know, with, with Catwoman, with Jeffrey Wright as, as Jim Gordon, and especially mm-hmm. the the new mayor who's in there, who um, they don't ever, I don't think they ever mention her race, which I think is great. And, right. it, and again, that's going to, for, I mean, I don't think kids can see this movie, right? It's PG-13. Yeah. yeah I already talked to my wife. I was like, I don't think our son can watch this. <laughs> but even for young people, people are teens and people that go at like, it's got to be normalized, right? These people yeah. are these characters. Um, I'm excited mm-hmm. to see, hopefully, uh, a variant Superman by Michael B. Jordan. And even yes, you can't, t- that'd you can't, be great. You can't touch Bruce Wayne. You can't touch Clark Kent. I, uh, <laughs> no one's ever going to do that. But I think, like, it's nice to see, like, you know, Jim Gordon be, and I, I again, like I said, Jeffrey Wright, I think is, um, I didn't, I think I'd give him his, his, his role in this one, like a seven and a 10. Mm-hmm. I love him and I was excited to see him as, as um, Jim Gordon. And I, mm-hmm. I, I came away from it being like, that just felt normal. It wasn't forced. It wasn't like, again, it, it, it wasn't called out. It was just like, here's these great actors doing what they do. And right. I think it's going to help fans and people as they like start to, you know, get exposed and, and broaden their horizons. And now I just sound like a cliche machine, but I was a fan <laughs> of how they, how they handled it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think it's uh, uh you're right on point. Cause I, I remember thinking that I, I saw on social media, a couple people, you know, no surprise did have issues with there's going to be um, idiots out there. Of course. Yeah. I know. Yeah. And, and there, uh, you know, unfortunately that's going to be reality of it and everything, but I thought it was really interesting. It's like uh, for a movie that has nothing to do with race, there's a lot of people who are upset about the race in, in the movie. Um, but to your point, I think, Jeffrey Wright did a fantastic job as Jim Gordon. I, I didn't see the overreacting the same way you and that did. And could be just me like analyzing it and what, I mean, that's again, I will take the, the brain part <laughs> um, fall on that one. That could be me just like overanalyzing it and being stupid. Um, there was a, I think, it, I think again, I think it was the penguin scene where I just felt that, but like, again, I thought he was good. I love the camaraderie. And right. so I don't want to be that guy who's like, Oh no. Well, and I think the camaraderie is great. And you touched on that as well too. I, I know that after I watched the movie, I remember thinking, I really want to see the first case they did. They did together that Mm. made Jim Gordon have so much faith in Batman to start bringing him onto the scene of these crime scenes, you know? And so I like that in Batman begins, right? Like when uh, his partner is, uh, was a trash is like, is a complete slime ball. Yeah. And, you know, Bruce wins him over and stuff. I love that, that team building kind of exercise. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I would love to, especially with the, uh, because again, it's the whole law enforcement agency is not completely behind them. They're still mixed about it. So the fact that something must have happened Mm. for him to have so much faith to be able to do this in front of the whole GCPD as well, too. So, yeah, I I remember thinking that one, I thought he did a great job, but two, they had great chemistry and that the fact that I walked away thinking I wanted to see what that first scene was Mm. shows you what a great job they did with the acting and the storytelling with this as well, too. And we so. didn't really get that. I mean, to your point, that's a really good, that's a really, really good point. We didn't get mm-hmm. that in Batman Begins, right? Like he, he almost like threatens him in the, in the first <laughs> meeting where he's wearing like the ski mask instead of the outfit. Yeah. And then suddenly he just wins him over. Yeah. Um, 
So there's gotta be, it would be kind of cool. Like to your point, there's a way to dig in deeper. Maybe he saves his son or saves someone he loves. And he's like, Oh, there's something about this guy. Right. But there has to be obviously a hesitation there because again, as we said from, from the first minute, it's a dude wearing, you know, tech <laughs> armor. Um, yeah beaten up criminals which you know whatever but i can't um, die <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think also to, again and this is a very quick tangent but even a scene that i love to what you mm-hmm. had said where he's i love the the lighting and the shadows of where he's the gunfire he's taking on uh, in the club in one scene he's just like right and he, it i can't even enact the way it feels like a blade um scene where he's like <laughs> the way he's moving or whatever but i also yeah. thought about that later on i was like how how strong is like a machine gun bullet? Like that, he's just kind of walking and like not like even like and these are like just like rounds of like he's just like he's getting just like hammered and he's at, not even like at point blank too. I, it's I, like Superman almost. Yes, um, Michael. I'm glad you brought that up because I posted on Twitter about that scene where he's getting shot at point blank with the machine guns, and I remember saying. I remember saying that I was disappointed in how they put that because essentially they're turning him into a Superman that he wasn't reacting the same way how he got reacted with a single shot at point blank. And, and again, maybe you can't tell because of the shadows and everything like that. And maybe he was reacting to it, but I couldn't tell. And I didn't think they did a good job of, of showing that. And I had so many people come in and start hating me about that comment oh, because of that. I know. Well, that's the thing. Cause they're like, well, it's a superhero. Like one person said, you know, you're expecting a superhero movie to obey the law of physics. I'm like, when it's a grounded character, like Batman, like, yeah. And especially after watching the film, I'm like, yeah, a little bit. And then I had somebody say, did you not hear in the trailer earlier when he said that he doesn't care what happened to him? I'm like, Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't realize that saying you don't care what happened to you defies the law of physics at that point. You yeah, know, so just shoot me in the head. It's okay. No big deal. I know. And I'm like, I'm like, I'm not looking for like complete realism, but I'm just, I was, I was hoping they kind of explain what that material was or, or have some sort of explanation. They didn't. And honestly, it didn't ruin the movie for me. Like I still enjoyed it. I think it's just one of those things. I was like, you know, I, I wish they would have done, a better job either showing the reaction to it or something like that, just to kind of ground a little bit more realism. But again, he should have died four or five times. I think on top of what I said earlier, where I was like, look, we're spoiled by Marvel. I think uh-huh. it goes to show that what you get when you have someone like a Kevin Feige at the head mm-hmm. of a studio. And right. I think most people know the stories of when he was consulting or he was a producer on like movies like X-Men and he mm-hmm. was like measuring and they obviously went like lower, but like Hugh Jackman's like hair spikes. And he's like, well, this has got to be, yeah, you know, and looking at the details and someone, and and now, even now I'm sure he catches stuff where he's like, Oh no, that's gotta be this way. And that's gotta be that way. I know this is that way and blah, blah, blah and, you know, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. There's very little mistakes. And if there are mistakes, they try to slip them in there um, and, and change them later on. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think it's a team effort and, mm-hmm. And even, and I say team, even like at the studio head too, I think people, everyone's got a whatever. I think Matt Reeves did an amazing job and I'm sure no, is it Warner's? No execs even took a second look at that kind of stuff, you know? And so I think (laughs) it's, it's a team effort. And I think stuff like that's going to fall through the cracks because you don't have, you know, I don't know if we've talked about this in the past before or not, but like, you know, you Lucasfilm has the story story team, the story group, which is basically making sure all the comics and movies and like the storylines connect in the perfect way. 
Marvel right. had used to have the what were they called? Um, they had a, a same similar thing where it was a group that would like the shows and this and that and blah blah. blah. I, you know, like when you don't have that support from start to finish, stuff's going to fall through the crack. I mean, Christopher Nolan is probably a perfectionist, so is Christian Bale, but mm-hmm. I think that just goes to show. And again, to, to what you said, it doesn't ruin the film. It just makes you be like, wait, what? It doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> and I think that's where it gets, but I think that's probably it is that I think we're spoiled, but I also think it doesn't have the support like a Marvel does or like a star, you know, star Wars, whatever, but um, right. as of late star Wars, but um, <laughs> I think that's where that happens. But um, yeah, I think, you know, I'm glad it wasn't like a, it wasn't a movie ruining moment at all. So. Right. Right. Oh yeah, definitely. Okay. So I know we're, um, you know, we're approaching almost two hours now. So I thought, um, I can give like, just kind of like quick other thoughts I had, and then we can talk about, um, you know, the, the very ending of the movie and what yeah. this might mean for future Batman films and then just kind of final thoughts and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so, absolutely. um, one thing I want to share, I don't know if you caught this, but did you, catch the William Shakespeare statue Easter egg that was in the movie? No. So you know how in the 1966 TV show, Batman Robin uses the Shakespeare statue to like lift up the head and open up the bat cave in the library and all that. Yes, 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 yes. Yes. That is in the movie very for like a few seconds, but it's a scene where, um, Batman's getting back to Wayne Manor and is trying to call to warn Alfred about what's happening. And it cuts to Alfred opening up the mail and he's off to the right, but off to the left is a statue of William Shakespeare, ah, right off cool. there. I thought that was kind of just like a neat little, you know, couple second. It's not a focus or, you know, something that's in the background of the movie, but you know, it was there for two seconds and that was it. I thought that was a really cool call out to that. Um, the other, the last thing I'll say before we get into future Batman films is the Batmobile. I'm loved still, it. I, you loved it. Yeah, I really liked it. I'm still mixed about it. I, I think it makes a lot of sense as a year two Batmobile. Um, I'm just, I'm not impressed by it. I'm also not unimpressed by it. If that makes yeah. sense. I think it's just, it is what it is. Um, I will say this in the scene where you first see the Batmobile kind of being revved up in action. I was kind of thrown off a little bit because I thought that the Batmobile stalled out at one point and that's allowed the villains to get away. And it seems like on social media, a lot of people don't know if it stalled out or if that was him intentionally it revving stops, it. Right. Yeah. Yes. Stops, <laughs> and you're like, okay, what's going on? Yeah. That's and a I good wish it is, too. Yeah. And I wish it just did a quick, sh- like mm. cutaway shot to Batman just to kind of show like, was that intentional or, yeah. or was that, you know, the car died and he had to like fix something real quick to get it started up again, you know? So, but that would have added to like why I liked it so much. Um, mm-hmm. because it felt very much like if you, so if you go back to Batman begins, obviously mm-hmm. he gets like the tumbler and the, the suit from Wayne enterprises, right? It's the R and D department. Uh, this one, it feels like much like his, what's the storyline is that, is that the, the, the symbol is, is the gun that it's killed supposed his to be the gun that killed his parents. And so it got cut into that symbol and now uses a knife and everything. Yeah. So I think all that stuff feels like he's like tinkering himself. And, and I think the same thing mm-hmm. with the Batmobile, he probably added bulletproof windows and like the thing himself. And I also, I would have, now that I think about it, that would have been a really good scene. And maybe that's what they meant to do where it's like, Oh, like, look, he built this thing himself. Right. <laughs> and so yeah. like when it does stall out or whatever, and, it, and then it gets going, 
Yeah. Um, so I like it. It's different. I actually like it. I probably would put it above, you know, Batman and Batman Returns, Batmobile. I mm-hmm. still was a huge fan of like how kitschy that was. Um, yeah. I did like the Tumblr. I think the Tumblr was great. And I like mm-hmm. this one a lot. It's just more realistic and feels like, oh, like he hasn't gotten to your point. He's still like a work in progress. Um, right. So right. I liked it. Um, to, to what you said earlier, I mean, it's not the Batmobile, but like the cycle, the Bat cycle felt very much pulled from the Dark Knight. Um, mm-hmm. Didn't it? It was the same style and like. It just didn't it do that. Yeah. It's not tech enhanced, but it has that same kind of feel to it. Yeah. That wheels and right. like, you know, it, it felt similar. Mm-hmm. And that was another thing where I was like, they just lift that. Like, you know, like, all right, we're just going to make it look, it's Batman. There's a lot of stuff that's similar, which is fine. Right. I mean, eventually you can't, what are you going to do? And, you know, it's the same character. So, yeah. So apparently on social media, I just found out about this, I think yesterday or the day before, but, Warner Brothers came out with a before the Batman novel, which seems like it's written for middle school kids. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people have been referencing it for a number of reasons. And I guess one of the things they put in the story, and I don't know if this is canonical necessarily. And I think some people think it is. Well, it has a lot of Riddler's back, back, back story, right? I think, I think so. Yeah. yeah. And, and one of the other things that they touch about um, in this is that, Bruce Wayne growing up was actually really into street racing. And so uh, if you cool. add that little tidbit in there, I guess it kind of makes sense, like why that style of car and everything mm. like that. But I think it's still one of those things where it's like, whether they have that detail or not. I mean, again, you know, it didn't really detract from the movie where you're just like, why is he doing this? Other than, you know, my biggest thing is as being a son of a car mechanic who's you know my father loves cars and loves muscle cars and hot rods and can tell you everything about every car in fact when i showed him you know the first picture of the batmobile i think he you know nailed the year and and model of the car that was based from and all that um part of me was just like why would you use (laughs) a a classic car as a batmobile when you know unless you want to make a commentary about like how things like this is something that um elite People with, you know, insane amount of money don't, you know, really care about uh, the the price of things like that either. But um, I think, when you know, if you put in perspective, like street racing, stuff like that, it probably makes a little bit more sense in that regard. But yeah, so when you say that, it's funny now it reminds me of um, <laughs> one of the best but also worst movies of all time the first fast and furious uh, oh my god it reminds me of toretto's like <laughs> the car that that scares yeah. him you know scares him to death his dad's uh muscle car yeah. that he drives at the end that's yeah. kind of it's kind of like that almost like but like a jacked up version of it yeah. essentially oh yeah so okay so let's talk about that end scene that i know a lot of people has probably been talking about on social media i haven't seen a lot of people mention this yet but i think it's because we get a lot of people who are trying to avoid spoilers for people yeah which is nice but we did get a little hint at joker being in mm-hmm. this universe and i want to get your take on it and see what you thought about that reaction first of all do you know who supposedly is playing joker yeah barry keegan is that that right from i I think that's how you pronounce it yeah Yeah. from internals yep that's that yep so that's great i mean look he he spoiled his brother spoiled that like years months ago right like (laughs) or years ago like i think he said something like oh i'm so excited about like it said something and it was deleted and then like yeah people like tried to approach it with him and he was like, I can't talk about it. Um, <laughs> so I actually, I like the casting. I think he's, again, it's a kind of like an unknown. Um, and it seems like they're doing a different take 
And from what I've read and seen is that uh, much like the Riddler, he is still a work in progress where he's like a serial killer, but he's not the crazy nut job that we know mm-hmm. today, you know, uh, as a joker. So he's not fully developed. He looks mm-hmm. like he's scarred. I, I liked it. It looks natural. He's like fully scarred. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we haven't, we didn't get a, a great, great look at him. Um, my hope is that he's not going to be in like the next film. I don't know if we were talking about this or it's someone else that like, we were. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I really hope that they tease. They, you know, and you can't, I don't want to say they want like Thanos him, right? Like I hope they tease <laughs> him for a little bit because yeah. one, we've gotten it so much. Same thing as Batman. We've gotten the Joker so much and it's mm-hmm. such a big shoes to fill. I would like to see them develop, take their time and develop some kind of storyline where I think it was you that mentioned it. Like we never got, when we got Bane and we got, you know, in the dark Knight, Ri- dark Knight rises, mm-hmm. um, the Bane, original Bane storyline is a fantastic storyline. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I would love to see the Joker kind of take over a similar storyline of that, where the original Bane storyline is, for those who haven't read the books, like he releases basically every one of Batman's arch enemies and Batman just gets exhausted, like putting these people back in, at Arkham. And then right. eventually Bane, once he's like done, <laughs> like exhausted, like needs, needs to go sleep and, and shave and shower and whatever. Yeah. Bane just beats the crap out of him and then breaks yeah. his back. I would love to see, because again, like physically, obviously like the Joker can't handle and we, it's been nice to see him in the past, whatever. He's a mastermind, right? I would love mm-hmm. to see them build it up where he like builds his almost like villainous Avengers version. And right. You know, four, th- two or three movies down the road, we see him, you know, just set Gotham ablaze and like Batman, just like frantically, you know, at this point more established and something like that, where, you know it's it's him with the chess pieces um Mm -hmm. so we'll see but yeah yeah i don't know they might want to cash in a quick payday and and bring the joker back in next movie um but i really hope they 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 fight that urge and and wait a little bit right yeah yeah when when i was watching it um what was really interesting from my experience is that when we realized who it was, there was a loud audible groan that came from the audience. And I think it's because people are, I, I don't know if they're just like, if it was like a groan or if it was like a, Oh my gosh, like gasp type of thing. Yeah. But I, I think I interpret it as a groan because I think people are just like, you know, we, we get the Joker story like so many times now. And in, in fact, you probably have him just as much as, as Batman. Um, but to that end, I will say you and I did have this conversation on TikTok because um, because that's exactly what I was thinking. It was, you know, I would be OK with them introducing the Joker if they just and, and I actually said Thanos uh, like in that they tease the Joker at the end of every subsequent movie yeah. to just kind of show him, you know, setting up mass chaos for the final vil- mm-hmm. film. So that way, whenever the final films uh, wrap up is for that series is the Joker becomes the main villain, but it's a, it's including of all the villains before to kind of, you know, do team up and maybe they do like the bat family at that point where they have, you know, Robin and, um, and Nightwing, if they go that route and, and Batgirl and Batwoman and and all of them as well too, as a team up against all these villains. But I think, Mm -hmm. 
I think that would be a great story to pursue if they set it up like that, where Joker is a mastermind villain that wraps up the whole series as opposed to yeah. bringing him in for the second movie. Because then it does kind of resemble a lot like the Dark Knight trilogy at that point. And I think that would be a smarter move if they, if they just keep teasing him at the end of future films until they get to the final you know, series film wrap up and have him be the mastermind that pulls in all the villains to try yeah. to take out and take over Gotham City. So, yeah, yeah I think for, it'd be really cool if they do that. Yeah. First, sorry if I, I by osmosis um, stole your idea. Um, <laughs> no, that's OK. One of those things, you know, when you have an idea and you, just, and you like that idea, you want to talk about that idea. So I, I no qualms whatsoever. That's totally yeah. fine. <laughs> I also think like uh, piggybacking on what you just said, which I think is 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 exactly what I'd like to see. Mm-hmm. We keep saying like, oh, Mr. Freeze and this and that. Like, I, I want to see someone new. Like, I mean, if anyone watched Gotham, Zaz is a great character. Um, yes. It's also the actor who plays Zaz is, is I mean, the guy can do no wrong in my, I, I don't know his name. <laughs> um, he's in Barry too, that show on HBO. Like he's just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Um, but there's other characters that we can have, you know, so we have Riddler, our first really good Riddler in a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think there's other characters that could come up and like, I mean, obviously we've used a scarecrow. And um, so I do think there is something there that we can do. I mean, obviously we want to see the penguin again. Um, right. And, and I just think I, it would be nice to see the Joker manipulate people um, mm-hmm. much like, look, I mean, I could be reading in this too much too. He's obviously <laughs> manipulating the Riddler who's dying for a friend and dying for, right. you know, whatever. And that's, that's his MO, you know, whether it's Harley Quinn or whoever mm-hmm. the guy is, a master at and i don't know how but it didn't make sense in suicide <laughs> squad um, but he's a master at getting people to do stuff for him and like join his cause and like see his his weird distorted view of the world and like that's <laughs> right. what would be really cool is like the the con like you to what you said and maybe like a little bit more each time right so we got a little mm-hmm. tease here and obviously now he's buddies with the riddler and then somehow in the future there's teases where he gets a little bit more screen time each, each movie. Um, right. And it's like, Oh, he was behind. Like maybe the next movie it's like, and at the end you're like, and the reveal is that, that the Joker is behind it. And you're like, Oh, <laughs> are you seeing what? What? Like he was yeah. pulling the strings and that would be really cool because it would just be different. And I think it, like right. to your point, if they bring him back next movie or whatever it is, we get the same thing. We've gotten, right. you know, Except Jared Leto, which was really awful. <laughs> well, this was a great conversation, Michael. Thank you very much for coming on the show to discuss the Batman. Uh, can you just remind us where we can find you online and, and your work as well, too? Uh, so, yeah, on TikTok, it's Superhero Talk. Um, I'm available uh, to be hired if anyone wants me to put them to sleep uh, with a two and a half hour uh, <laughs> podcast. Oh, so I that's a not. new, this, that's, this a new is good. that's a new venture I, I, I'm going to start doing is that like, look, just call me up, pay me by like the hour or the minute. And I will literally sit on the phone with you and just talk to you about different things. So you, I hear you snoring and then I'll hang up. It's so like, you know, obviously whatever. Uh, but yeah, no, all jokes aside. Yeah. Um, uh, Twitter is there. It comes again. The, the real Rothman at Twitter, that really embarrassing handle. And then yeah, TikTok is superhero talk. And then, um, and that's pretty much it uh, that I'm active on. But um, yeah, this has been a pleasure, man. As always, it's a blast. And hopefully I'm not adding uh, 
gray hairs uh to, to no. by, by <laughs> talking in tangents and uh and and, and uh, rambling for hours on it uh, no honestly when you have a good conversation it goes this long it, it's you know i i think we all love to have people that we want to talk about this sort of mm. thing with and and kevin and i have both talked about like how we do this with each other all the time because we don't have a lot of friends that geek out the same way that we do so yeah. we love doing this so you know we're you are more than welcome to come back on the show anytime well, if so <laughs> I, yeah I, I will take you up on that because I, I love i love i just love talking about this stuff and i also love like learning I think that's the, the beautiful thing about it is like, I probably mm-hmm. learned about four to five amazing things about the Batman that you noticed that I didn't notice. Um, yeah. Well, it's same here. The cool thing about it. That's really the cool thing about this stuff is that, and I just, I'm just glad we live in an era right now where like all this stuff is prevalent. And I hope it stays prevalent with other things. It's just fun. Mm-hmm. Just a, it's just a blast. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and I think you're right on with that is, is it's nice to be able to talk to other people and have people notice things that you didn't notice and you're just, you know, able to put it in different light. It's like, Oh, this is really cool. And, yeah. and be able to have those conversations that we didn't really get to have <laughs> when we were yeah. younger. So, yeah. And that wraps up another episode of The Caption Life. We hope you enjoyed listening. Don't forget to smash that subscribe button on whatever major podcast platform you're listening to us on. You can also follow us on social media under the username at Caption Life. If you like what we're doing, give us a shout out and tag us in your posts. For more information about us and all of our previous episodes, visit thecaptionlife.com. 